What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Curveballs and Chair Shots. My name is Brandon Tanguma. Very, very far away from me, more than six feet electronically, is my lovely and esteemed co-host reporting live from Washington is Dominic Hobson. Dominic, how are you doing today? Well, I am doing fine. I'm outside because the house is a little crowded. People watching TV, playing people playing cards. So I'm outside, you know during this windstorm it's cold but i'm doing fine brendan how are you uh, you know i'm doing okay we were supposed to do this earlier in the morning but yet even though we were supposed to be early and then we're technically we're late but we're on time actually we're kind of early because normally we do this a little later but dominic had to go to idaho so dominic how was idaho you've gone to two states two different states for the first time in two days dominic how, how was idaho for all the people out there who were wondering I mean, you are the hoe. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> uh, no, it's actually pretty cool. I mean, I think potatoes uh, everywhere. No, but I was told, told you get a sack of them for like a dollar, though, and I was like, "Oh, that's pretty cool." But no, um, it's cool. I mean, it was a little wet and rainy for something. I mean, the forecast showed no rain, and next I walk outside before we leave. I'm like, "Oh, it's drizzling. It's gonna pass." But I forgot we're going. You know, the way the storm's going. So by the time we got there, it was like a downpour. It's cold, windy, but it was cool. Saw Coeur d'Alene Lake. You know, it's really nice. You know, I was told spring and summer is really nice there. So maybe coming back. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. So let's just jump right into it. We have our World Series champions. And as I rightfully predicted, the Los Angeles Dodgers beat the Tampa Bay Rays in six games. There's a whole lot of things to talk about. Some good, some not so good. But first, we're going to talk about the positives. We're going to talk about the Los Angeles Dodgers winning the championship Clayton Kershaw finally getting his ring. The Dodgers have been there three times. They finally get it. Dominic, your thoughts on the Dodgers currently, currently this team and possibly what can happen in the future. First off, good for them. Good for Clayton. I'm so cold and stuttering a little bit. Uh, Clayton Kershaw. Good for him. But, uh, you know, all, all in all, I knew this Dodgers team was going to win. I mean, if you go consecutively year after year to the World Series, you're bound to win. Great pitching, great hitting, great defense. I don't think there's a, many negative takeaways besides the biggest one, and that's something we'll discuss here in a minute. But definitely good for them. Big things definitely in the future, especially with Mookie resigning with a big deal. I mean, this team can be a force to be reckoned with for the years to come. Yeah, this team is really good. And as you said, with Mookie Betts signing that long-term deal, he's probably going to finish his career with the Dodgers. They have this young core of pitchers. Walker Buehler now kind of taking over that lead role from Clayton Kershaw. But Kershaw, I didn't realize he's still like 31. So he's still young. He still maybe has like five years of good Clayton Kershaw left in him. And I mean, you look at that bullpen that they had. They had Dustin May. They had Bruce Dargaratterall. They have young pitchers, Julio Urias. I mean, he might not be the best person off the field, but on the field, he's only... Only one other person has done what he did, getting four wins and a save in a single postseason, and that would be Dominic's favorite left-handed pitcher, Madison Bumgarner. I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, we all know Kershaw's the best pitcher in the world, right, Brandon? No, he's the best left-handed pitcher of our generation, but there is a discussion for him being the best pitcher of all time. But some people might uh, differ 
from that opinion. And I respect those opinions. Don't know what you're talking about. Nothing comes to mind. Mm. But yeah, so as I said, I think if they can get that third pitcher behind Kershaw and Bueller, this team could be dangerous. I think Dustin May is kind of set in that role. Hurley, Urias, who knows what he can be, if he can be kind of more of a starter or also a bullpen guy. I think Bruzdar, I think he could be a really good closer. I mean, Kenley Jansen, there's question marks there. I think Blake, uh, yeah, Blake Trinan, he could possibly take over that role because Kenley Jansen blew that game five win or was a game four win. But uh, overall, really fun series. I, I don't think this is an all-time great series. It will definitely be remembered for the COVID, the 60 games and everything like that. But game four, the walk-off, that, that was one of the all-time best World Series games, Dominic. That was a lot of fun to watch. Oh, I agree 100%. I mean, I, I was watching that at a friend's house, and literally all, I, I see the hit, and I'm like, okay, you know, they'll, they'll tie the game up. And then when they, when they scored, I mean, I was going, no, no, because it was – I'm not going to say routine, but that was something that could have been easily avoided, you know, but it just comes down to defense and, you know, sometimes defense wins you games, sometimes defense costs you games, and in that sense, it costs them the game. Appropriately, Randy Rosarena scores that run. He is the all-time leader in playoff hits and playoff home runs. Uh, I mean, he, he's only a rookie. He has a phenomenal story. I saw that they're doing a documentary of him defecting from Cuba to Mexico and now obviously his journey in the major league. So that should be fun. Keep an eye out on that. But now let's move on to some negative news with the Dodgers. Justin Turner was in the running for MVP. Corey Seager ended up winning that World Series MVP trophy. But the whole, maybe the big news coming out after the final pitch and kind of everything started rumbling afterwards is that Justin Turner tested positive for COVID-19 now. It's a very kind of up in the air situation. I think the whole COVID protocol for MLB this entire season, we might sooner rather than later hear some horror stories or some cover-ups, but the story is second inning, Justin Turner had his results. It came back inconclusive. So they sent it back for more tests. It came back positive in the seventh leading into the eighth inning. He gets pulled. They win the world series. Justin Turner then comes out. He's supposed to be in, quarantine he's supposed to be like locked up in a broom closet isolation and all that other stuff he comes out you know he's touching the trophy that everyone else is touching he's there with his teammates he has a mask on but then he takes the mask off during the pitchers and it was not a good scene now the MLB has launched an investigation into what happened I don't exactly know what they will find or what they can really do because you kind of got to go through the players association and I think that's kind of one of the reasons why it kind of took so long from the seventh to the eighth inning to really pull them is because they had to go through all the litigation and everything like that. So Dominic, your thoughts on the Justin Turner situation. I just don't understand how, you know, I understand it's a huge fucking deal. You win the world series. I just don't understand how, you know, being a grown ass adult, you would honestly think about running out there and doing what he did. You know, I can understand if wearing a mask, maybe some gloves and, you know, like if, if he did some precautions, you know, maybe he stayed away from the team. They put the trophy down, walked away. He was the last one to touch or something. And then, you know, totally disinfected, you know, that would be understandable. But the fact that he just ran out there and grabbed it and did what he did, I kind of find that very negligent. He, 
I definitely think and know he'll probably be fined. I don't think he'll be suspended for it, but he'll be fined probably pretty a pretty big deal on top of, you know, if anyone else comes down with it, I'm sure they'll hold him accountable. And, you know, and my question for you is, let's say someone does contract it and they do die. Would you consider him getting charged with some type of a, you know, some type of a charge or something? Because the fact that he had it ran out there, gave it to somebody and they died. Wouldn't that be some, do you think they will get charged with some type of an, um, you know, something? Dominic, I'm not a doctor or a lawyer. I just play one on TV. So I don't exactly know what will happen. They did test right after the World Series, but obviously there's like, you know, incubation period. So if they got it on that day, then it's going to take a couple of days for it to show up at a test. They flew back. And I think it's going to be hard for us to really find that link from Justin Turner if any of the other Dodgers test positive. I think it is such a tricky situation because people wait their entire lives for this moment. And obviously Justin Turner, he was a part of that core who's been in the world series two times before and lost it. And so it's really hard for him to kind of, you know, subdue and all that emotion and come out. And then with the other teammates who have been with him and got to know him through this season, you got to think that they're like, you know, yeah, we've been through this. If it, if I'm going to let this guy have his moment and I have to isolate myself for two weeks and have to not see my grandparents or, you know, someone who is very prone to the to get it, then maybe I'll take that risk. I'll let my buddy, let my teammate who I know has been in the trenches with me and he definitely deserves to have this moment. You know, I'll take I'll take the hit for it and then I'll let him you know, have his moment. And I think if someone does test positive, they're not going to come out with it because they know if they come out and tweet that, Oh, look, I tested positive and Mookie Betts gets it. Then everyone is going to blame Justin Turner for it. And I don't think Mookie, it would do that for his teammate. Cause he knows he would do that. Or he knows that if he came forward with that, then it would, then, you know, the internet would light a blaze Justin Turner. So it's a very tricky situation. I understand kind of both sides of it. If it was me, I definitely understand. I mean, I agree with you. He should have maybe kept an isolation, but then also it's like, it's such a once in a lifetime moment that it's very hard to kind of expect someone to just keep, just sit in a broom closet while all your teammates are just having the time of their lives. Well, I mean, like, like I was saying though, I'm not saying he had to stay out and not enjoy it, but you know, he could have done the he could have had a best you know best of both worlds go out there you stay socially distant you know you say hey i would like to have a moment with the trophy all right let everybody else get their turn then you can have it last so then we can sanitize it afterwards you know like that's all they had to do like i agree with you 100 you know i'm sure if someone came down with it they wouldn't say anything because they know how big of a backlash it would be for him but on, on the other hand though if i am mookie betts and I get sick and I come away with some type of, you know, injury or something that costs me playing time, money and all that, then who's to say you won't be pissed off about that? That like, dude, you could have done it a different way. Yeah. We give you your moment, but you still fucked us or something, you know, like, I mean, there's, there's going to be something that comes out of this. You know, he's lucky if he comes away with just a, a, a fine and not anything else. So we'll just have to wait and see. It's not a good look when they did the team photo and Justin Turner has his mask on and then purposely takes it off and he's sitting right next to Dave Roberts, who is a cancer survivor. Obviously, he's at higher risk to getting it and having severe effects from it. But also the the I almost said the WWE, the MLB dodged a major bullet by the Dodgers wrapping this up in game six. Because if Justin Turner the, the news kind of came out after the fact, after the game already ended. So if he tests positive, then he's 
putting you know the Rays at risk, his teammates at risk? Do you put the team, do you put the game on pause, the series on pause? Do you bring the scrubs from the alternate side, bring them in? But then also they haven't really been in this bubble. But even the MLB bubble isn't even a bubble. The people that they're in the hotel, that's a regular hotel with regular people still staying in the rooms. So it's not like the NBA where it's a complete bubble. It's on lockdown. There's fans in attendance. Now they're not conversing or interacting with them, but the fans are touching things and doing things while there's employees and employees might interact with players. And it's just kind of a whole trickle down effect. And I put, I put blame on both Justin Turner and the MLB. I don't know what Turner did to exactly get it, but I think the MLB from the beginning, when we talked about the bubble plan, it, we kind of realized it wasn't a real bubble. And I think they're lucky that this happened the last day of the season and this didn't happen in the middle of the postseason, you know? Well, well, we'll just have to wait and see what happens next season. You know, if it is a full season, if it's, you know, less games, more games, we'll just have to see, wait and see what happens for next season and hope for the best. Now, the big, big news coming out of game six was not really the – Dodgers winning the World Series. It kind of was Justin Turner, but it was also Blake Snell, who was absolutely dealing. Two hits through five innings. He's pitching. He gives up his single, the second hit. The lineup is coming through for a third time. Kevin Cash comes out and pulls Blake Snell. And then the very next at bat, Nick Anderson, who's been struggling, stupid. comes up and it just rolls downhill from there. So everyone's blaming Kevin Cash and analytics and everything like that. He came out and he said that, you know, going through the lineup the third time, he was trying to, you know, not get them that third look. So, Dominic, your thoughts on this, and because I have some some takes about this. Basically, I'm just going to say he's fucking stupid. I would have just, you know, put my chips on Snell. If he got rocked that at bat, he got rocked. But, I mean, there, there's nothing you could predict that would have been, you know, surefire because, you know, you're going off how he said, I don't have a third look because then you, you know, by the third time around, you get an idea of what to look for, the little subtle giveaways and everything. But, you know, it, it, he's on a two hitter at the time. I would have kept riding that horse. Then again, you know, he's paid to make those big decisions, you know, and he gets criticized for those big decisions. So part of me wants to really be pissed off. Part of me understands, though, just because it's like, you know, I, what if I was in his shoes? Would I really at that time make that decision? Or what if I made even a worse decision, put a worse pitcher in or something? So I, I, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll still criticize. I'll still sit in my seat and tell him he's a dumbass. But then again, you don't, you don't know what Snell could have done still. He could have gave up a bomb instead of just a hit. You know what I mean? It, it, it turns into a lot of what ifs and what ifs cause a lot of problems in the world. So, so, I think this decision will haunt Kevin Cash the rest of his career, whether if he wins a World Series or not. But I think that this decision was wrong on so many different levels. I think I also kind of hate the argument that, oh, this just proves that analytics are terrible and, you know, we shouldn't just listen to the nerds and, you know, you know, do something else. Go to Silicon Valley and do shit there instead of working in baseball. When the Dodgers, they are an analytical team. Baseball as a whole is an analytical sport the Dodgers are just the Rays with a bigger payroll. And then also, like, when you look at the actual numbers, that Blake Snell should have stayed in that game. He, I mean, so if you want, like, a full breakdown of this, go to John Boy. He did a whole, like, kind of comparison of the numbers and everything like that. But, like, Blake Snell is better as he gets 
going. He's better the third time through the lineup. Mookie Betts is worse the third time through the lineup, and he does worse against left-handed fastballs, which that's what Blake Snell does, compared to a right-handed fastball, which is what Nick Anderson does. And then also Nick Anderson was struggling. He was trash the entire postseason. I know that was his horse during the regular season, but he was not good. And if you're going to bring someone in, bring in Diego Castillo, who was pretty damn good. And you have a lot of guys over there that you could have done a better job with. And also it's game six. You got game seven the next day. You have Blake Snow. He's gifted you like six, seven, eight innings, which you haven't had the entire series. And he's trying to give your bullpen a rest, which if you get it to game seven, you can use those that stable of horses you got who throw 98. And it gives you a really good shot. Maybe Tyler Glass now who's been struggling can come out and give you an inning or something like that. So I just thought on so many different le- levels, both analytical and just baseball in general, it was just such a stupid move. So who are you blaming the most? Cash or the analytics side of it? Who do you blame the most? Which, so I don't know exactly where this decision came from. I would It's Kevin Cash. He's the guy. He's the manager. I would assume it comes from him. Now, maybe he has numbers and he has people in his ears during the game. But when he came out and said, like, oh, I don't want the guys to get a third look at him, that's almost kind of like old school baseball thinking. When in reality, like, if you're getting shut the fuck down through two times through the order, you got to go see this guy a third time. And Mookie Betts was flailing at the ball. He was not even close. The entire lineup was looking like a bunch of idiots. And yet that that does something to your lineup that, you know, that kind of demoralizes you like, oh, God, I got to try to face this guy again. And then when you bring in that guy who's struggled not only against them, but everyone kind of in the postseason, it kind of gives you a new life. Like, OK, you brought this guy out. We ha- we're going to face this new guy. We it's something different. We've had our successes against him. So we have a chance. You gifted us this opportunity. So I think I'm putting it all on. I'm not putting it all on Kevin Cash, because obviously I think there's people behind the scenes that kind of gave like you know whispered in his ear whether before the game during the game whatever but this is just one of it like an all-time blunder now the Rays offense was not very good Randy Rosarena was really the only person that really showed up offensively and who knows maybe Blake as you said maybe Blake Snow gives up a bomb and the the whole thing just blows up in flames but I think you, you give him at least another batter or two if someone touches second base then you're like okay we can think about it, but a kind of a weak line drive up the middle. That, that was definitely a quick hook. All right, even let's go on. Damn, Dominic, you're just fire with those transitions. So we have some MLB managerial news to talk about. The first one, maybe the shocking one. We talked about this last week, and I think I definitely kind of dismissed it. But Tony Larusa, I, I predicted this. Tony Larusa, at age seventy-six, baseball Hall of Famer, St. Louis Cardinals and Oakland Athletics Hall of Famer, is the new manager of the Chicago White Sox. Now, if you want to kind of get in depth on why this uh, hiring decision happened, I would recommend you guys go to ESPN and read the Jeff Passan article where he kind of talks about cronyism and Tony Larusa's links to the White Sox and the owner. And basically, if Tony wanted this job, he was going to get it. It didn't matter who else wanted it or who else was better qualified. Tony got the job. Dominic, you said you predicted this. Your thoughts on it actually coming to fruition? I think it's a great pickup for the Sox. I think they're young and up and coming. Definitely next few years, I definitely see them going all the way to the World Series. Don't know if they win, but definitely going all the way. And I think Tony is that guy to get them there. 
I feel like he has so much success with other teams. He's a great baseball mind, like you said, Hall of Famer. Definitely, definitely a great pickup for the Sox. So I'm not going to be one of those guys out there that's kind of bashing the decision. Tony Larusa, you know, one of the best managers of all time. But then on the other hand, it's like he hasn't been in the league for like nine years man- managing-wise. He was in the front office of the Diamondbacks, and that didn't exactly go very well. But this is a good young core of baseball players. We we talked about I think they have a definite shot at making the playoffs next year. And people saying like, oh, he's old school. The White Sox are new school. Like Tony La Russa has dealt with kind of showman and kind of over-the-top personalities like he managed Ricky Henderson, for God's sakes. He had Dave Stewart and Jose Canseco. Like th- Those guys are kind of characters into themselves. And I think he can manage the younger guys in Chicago. Now, will he take them to the next level, whether it be a pennant or just kind of getting them further on in the playoffs than just the first round? Who exactly knows? But I think they have to add a little bit more pieces, especially pitching-wise, for them to make that next jump. But I, th- I think it is a head-scratcher and kind of like, really Tony Larusa, but I'm not going to like just complete shit on it as well. Oh, well, I mean, even if you did, I, I still, no matter you, you can hate the decision, but you can't deny the fact that it's still a good pickup for the White Sox. And then today, today, tonight, whatever the Detroit Tigers rivals of the Chicago White Sox, they get a new manager and they have former Astros manager A.J. Hinch. Now, A.J. Hinch, the White Sox managerial job, I think, was the most lucrative and the most desirable position in baseball right now. And A.J. Hinch showed interest, but as I said, if Tony wanted it, Tony was going to get it. So A.J. Hinch maybe got the next best thing. He gets the job at the Tigers now. The Tigers have a lot of young players. They're not there quite yet. Maybe they'll be there in two, three years but AJ Hinch, we've talked about it. He kind of said he wasn't really a part of it. He knew it was going on, but he didn't like it. Only a year removed from the scandal. Dominic, is this a good move for the Tigers? Definitely not the best, but definitely not the worst. I feel like there's could have been a couple other people that would probably be a better fit, but Hinch does have experience. He, you know, won the World Series. You can't deny that really. Even with the scandal, you still can't deny it. Um, you know, he claims he wasn't a part of it. I mean, I would trust the guy at least. I feel like, you, can, you know, you can only take words for face value. So if he says you can't do it, he didn't do it, he didn't do it. So I, I, I would probably say he's on a short leash. Definitely, you know, any little sign of, you know, a scandal coming or anything – negative publicity wise i'm sure they'll cut him in instant so i'm sure he's going to be running a very tight ship this time around now if we're going to compare tony larusa to aj hinch i think the aj hinch hire is a better hire people say you know he's a good dude they like him i was kind of wondering if he would land on his feet maybe i thought he would land a, a you know assistant role a bench position but he gets the tigers job now it's not the sexiest pickup in the world or the sexiest team in the world they're going to be probably bad for a few years at this point, but you got Miguel Cabrera, you got a good young core over there. So I, I think for him to kind of build his way back up, I think that's kind of a nice kind of, you know, a nice, I guess, substitute, I guess, because he's not just signing with 
the New York Yankees or something. And he's going to, you know, be right in the spotlight all the time. So I think AJ Hinch, I, I like the higher, I guess, but obviously there's going to be like people looking sideways at it because he was only gone for a year. Now we got some other people. Well, hang on. Question real quick. Question, 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 question. Do Tiger fans boo him when they, okay. So supposedly the, you know, we're getting fans back the first time fans are let on that stadium. Will fans boo him or cheer for him? You think? I think they'll probably cheer him because if you wait until spring training and you get to know the guy, he has a press conference, and I think the Tigers fans will get to like him. He, he's, I mean, he's their guy for better or for worse. So you kind of got to ride with your manager, and maybe there will be some hecklers, which that's always going to happen. I think we've seen that the heat really relies on the players. Dust, Dusty Baker didn't get that much heat. I mean, he wasn't a part of it. He was the manager of the team this year. But for the most part, you know, everyone loves Dusty, but they also, then they all hated the players. So I think it's it will be interesting. But on that same spotlight with the Astros sign stealing, we have Alex Cora. He was fired, suspended for a year with his relationship or with his wrongdoing in the Houston Astros sign stealing. He is linked more to it than A.J. Hinch's. He also maybe something went down with the Boston Red Sox, but there's some news that Alex Cora is in talks to return as the Boston Red Sox manager. I mean, I guess it works for him. There, there's no real. Um, are you done laughing? Thank you. Studio audience making an appearance. Say hi to Brandon. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm. <laughs> But, I mean, if he gets with the Red Sox, good for him, but I definitely don't like the idea of him being in MLB. So, I I don't like it at all. So, you have more heat with Alex Cora than A.J. Hinch, is what you're telling me? Pretty much, yes. I, I would kind of agree with you that Alex Cora seemingly has more connections to the scandal than A.J. Hinch. AJ Hinch was the manager of the team. So he probably, if he wanted to stop it, he could have. And I think it's also not a really good look for him to get fired, suspended, and then just come right back on the same team. Like you, if he, let's say if they switch roles, AJ Hinch was on the Red Sox, Alex Cora was on the Tigers. I think that would have been fine. But I think for Cora to come back now, I think that just kind of speaks to his relationship with the front office, maybe from the players, they like him. So once again, I think it's kind of one of those things that in baseball, they say they're punishing people, but then at the end of the day, you know, they'll just kind of do their thing. Yeah. I mean, it, it just comes down to the fact that, I mean, negative publicity is negative publicity. So it's just going to come down to the fact that if they want to trust him again, if he can be trusted and, you know, my personal opinion, I, I don't like it at all. You guess, you know, if you're, if you get more shit, then the manager, then you clearly are more linked to it. And, you know, I, I just don't like the, I, I think it's a bad move. I think they should just, you know, kind of do what we always talk about with, with NBA is you bring up an assistant just for short term and go from there. Well, speaking of the NBA, Dominic, look at you. You're getting better at those transitions. The Rockets have hired their new head coach. It will be Dallas assistant head coach, Stephen Silius, Silas, I think it's Silas. Steven Silas. There you go. I nailed it. He has been an assistant for about 20 years since the year 2000. He's worked with a lot of guards, Steph Curry, uh, I think Kemba Walker, some other people, obviously uh, Luka Doncic. He's the Rockets head coach. 
your thoughts on this. Obviously not a big name, but I was kind of touting last week, like, you know, I kind of wish we can get more black assistant head coaches to get risen up in the ranks and get a head coaching position. So I'm fine with this. I, I definitely think it's a great pickup. Um, I, I don't know much of him. I mean, I'm sorry. I Dallas isn't my, you know, you know, I, I want to learn everything and everything about him. But definitely, I like the idea of somebody being promoted and, you know, going, you know, getting a shot. I mean, Dallas is a very, I think, next few years would be their only chance really to get anywhere. But, you know, it, it, it comes down to, you know, what if another big, hot free agent head coach hits the market? Then what are we going to do? So it's one of the, I, I really hope he does a good job. And we see more of these assistants getting promoted in the long run. It's just got to wait and see now from a from a new Rockets position to a former Rockets position. The former GM Daryl Morey, he was in the news scandalous for tweeting his support for. Uh, oh my God! Come on, Dominic, help me out here. Help me out here. Hong Kong, thank you very much. Hong Kong, Hong Kong. There we go. And then the whole China situation, blah, 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 blah. And then uh, whatever. He gets fired. And now Daryl Moore is the new GM of the Philadelphia 76ers. 76ers kind of in turmoil at the moment, kind of switching, you know, trying to move on. But they have the core of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. What do you think is going to go down here with Daryl Moore as the head? I honestly think, not to take anything from him, but I honestly think there's no hope in saving this uh, core with Simmons and Embiid. I think this is definitely going to be a make-or-break season, and if they don't get it done, one of them or both of them will be leaving. I honestly don't like Simmons all that much. I think Embiid is the better player, even though I'm sure I'm going to get shit for saying that. But, you know, when it comes down to it, when you have people like Curry and Paul and Kyrie and, you know, Luca. There, 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 there's a lot of better point guards out there. So I don't think he's going to be a very big draw, but you know, I, I also think if they, if they don't win a chip, you ain't seeing them again in Philly. I think Daryl Morey is a good hire. He was with the Rockets back in the Yao Ming era. So he definitely knows how to build a team around a big man. He built the team around James Harden. So he can def- he's one of those analytical guys. He can kind of, you know, go in whatever direction he sees his team succeeding the most. Now we've gone over Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. If you got to trade one or get rid of one, which one do you do? I'm kind of more on the side of Joel Embiid, but we're just gonna have to kind of wait and see. Maybe it gets dealt for a draft pick, but we shall find out. Now let's get into everyone's favorite segment of the show. Oh, uh, um, um, <clears throat> uh, Dominic's picks. Bump Now, we had a tie going into Thursday Night Football, and your boy came out ahead. Yes, I went nine and five on the week. Dominic went eight and six on the week, bringing Dominic's total to 67, 40, and one. I have the record 71, 36, and one. The Thursday night game was. Okay, kind of a sloppy weather in the second half, but the Atlanta Falcons did not blow a fourth quarter lead. I think 2020 has been a shit year, but I think the Falcons not blowing a fourth quarter lead just shows that the end of the world is upon us, Dominic. Sorry, I forgot forgot that speak. Um, You know, 
honestly, I was a little frustrated with the fact that the Falcons didn't blow the lead and Panthers should have won that game because uh, your boy probably would have came up on top or at least tied. But, you know, I think this is things to come for Atlanta. Definitely. Hopefully this will get them to start, you know, having that, you know, things will start going and, you know, the clock will start turning and they'll start getting plays that, you know, I don't know what the fuck I'm going with this. I didn't watch the game because I was too busy doing other things. Kayfabe, Dominic, kayfabe. Well, I mean, I was kind of in getting off the plane and, you know, getting settled in and frustrated with the car people. So, you know, I, I've had a hell of a day on Thursday. Okay, okay I was going to say, you texted us about your car problems at like 2 o'clock. The game didn't start till 5. Okay, whatever. My headphones are about to die anyway, so we got to hurry up because if not, you're going to read this email by yourself. Mm. All right, so let's get into Dominic's picks. We start with an a- NFC North matchup, the Minnesota Vikings taking on the Green Bay Packers. The Vikings coming off of their bye. They are kind of in tank mode. Dalvin Cook coming in questionable. Looks like he will play. Aaron Jones looks like he will not play. Does that take any, you know, give the Vikings any hope that they can pull off the upset against the Packers? And Dominic is still muted. God damn it. Sorry, I forgot to hit it. I forgot. I forgot. I forgot. Um, God, no. I, I think there's no Vikings. I, they were good a few years ago. That's about it. They're definitely not going to be doing anything this season. Do I think they're in tank mode? Yes, but I don't think they're honestly going to try for it. I think, you know, third, fourth, late, late third, early fourth, if they're not in, you know, striking distance, they're going to be pulling everybody good and just giving them to the you know second string and seeing the game goes. But I'll go Green Bay. I will go with Green Bay as well. I know at the beginning of the season, I picked the Vikings to win the North. I have jumped off that bandwagon. And I know the Green Bay Packers didn't look so hot against Tampa Bay. They bounced back against the Texans. They were able to light it up. Uh, Devontae Adams was able just to go the fuck off. Not as much as Tyler Lockett, but I don't want to talk about that, kind of suppressing that memory. But I think Green Bay will win. Now moving on, we get the Tennessee Titans coming off of their loss against the Steelers, taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. Once again, having a heartbreaking loss. Sorry, Mr. X. Both of these teams coming off of losses. Who gets the bounce back win? Part of me wants to go Cincinnati just because I feel like it's a huge upset. But, you know, I feel like... Actually, I don't know. I, I'm going to go Cincinnati. Fuck it. I'm going off on a limb here. I'm going Cincinnati. There you go. Fuck it. So I got to go with Tennessee, just like Dominic always goes with the Raiders. I always got to go with Tennessee, my AFC champions. I think this could be a good game. I think Tennessee, their defense is lacking a little bit and the way Joe Burrow was playing. I think he could light it up. And I wouldn't be shocked if Cincinnati not only makes this a game, but could possibly pull away, or not pull away, but actually pull it off and get the win. But I will officially go with the Titans. Then we have the battle we've all been waiting for the worst team in the league against the best team in the league. The New York football jets travel to Kansas city to take on Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas city chiefs in Kansas city and historical, a historical spread. The chiefs are favored by 19 and a half points. Now, Dominic, I think we're both going to go with the chiefs on this one, but I got to ask you, do the jets cover? Can they not lose by more than, or by less than 19 points? Yes. They make this a game. Yes, they, they're definitely – honestly, I don't – Chiefs are definitely going to win, but I think it's going to be not that big of a blowout. 
I think people will be surprised how well the Jets play. I mean, they at home, they were able to keep Buffalo in check. They didn't score a single touchdown. Now, I think that might be more the fact that Buffalo is struggling a wee bit. Now, I I, I don't think the uh, Kansas City will cover. I think the Jets will lose by like 17 points. It's probably not going to be very pretty, but Le'Veon Bell revenge game here. I, I'm, I think I'm starting Le'Veon Bell this week, not only because I kind of have to just to make the trade kind of worth it, but... I think they're going to force feed Le'Veon Bell maybe later once the game gets kind of out of hand. Maybe he they force him a couple goal line touches to get him in the end zone. He can just, you know, give him the three pumps, bam, 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 towards Adam Gates and the Jets tell him to suck it. If it does, it does. But, I, I mean, definitely Chiefs winning. But, you know, I don't think by, you know, yeah, I think they cover. All right. Then the Indianapolis Colts traveled to Detroit to take on the Lions. The Lions coming off of that historical comeback against the Atlanta Falcons. And the Colts got a very tough defense. Detroit, you know, kind of kind of iffy exactly where they stand. They kind of have glimpses, but then sometimes they look like the old Lions we know and love. Dominic, what do you say? Who got who you got in this matchup? Colts. I think Phillip Rivers is underrated. And that's it. I think the I will go with Detroit. They're at home. Uh, I'm not very. I'm not a big fan of, especially the passing game of the Colts. I'm not as big a fan of Philip Rivers or Livers, as you are. And I think Matthew Stafford and DeAndre Swift. They're gonna, you know, be the tandem that we want to see. Kenny Galladay's on the field, so you know he's gonna light it up. As well. maybe not light it up because that indie defense is quite stingent, but. I will go with the Detroit Lions. Then we have a NF an AFC North matchup. Maybe the the game of the morning here. We get the Pittsburgh Steelers, the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers, travel to Baltimore to cha- to take on Chase McSorley and the Baltimore Ravens. Ooh, you know, I I'm kind of I'm kind of torn on this one, Brandon. So I might need you to kind of, you know, go with your pick and your reason, and I'll make my pick off of that because I definitely don't know who to go with. I know there's going to be a winner and a loser. This is definitely not ending in a tie, but I definitely need some help on this pick. Now this one is – I think this is very difficult to pick as well. It's – it's a it, whatever you want to – what the fuck am I trying to say? It is a divisional matchup, so it's going to be kind of hard. You know, they know each other. I think this is going to be a rough and tugged – whatever rigid what the fuck am i even saying at this point i think it's going to be kind of like an old school baltimore ravens pittsburgh steelers matchup it's going to be kind of low scoring defensive heavy mark ingram is not going to play that that's going to affect him i think a little bit offensively i think the steelers have it's going to come down to what that baltimore ravens defense can like limit the steelers offense i think you know, with Chase Claypool lighting it up a couple weeks ago, scoring those four touchdowns. I think they have a lot of weapons. And then also, like the Ravens, when they play the good teams, they play the Chiefs, they don't do very well. I think this one's hard. They're at home. Fuck it, I'll go with the Ravens. No reason. I think it's a flip of the coin. It's going to be a tough one. But I'll go with the Ravens, which I guess that means Dominic will go with the Steelers. Sure, why not? I'll go opposite just because, you know, there's no way I'm coming back and beating you this season. So go the Steelers. Dominic, you do realize you're only four games behind me. That's way too much. 
I know we're only in whatever. What is this week eight at this point? Way too. I have way too big of a lead at this point. Uh, I'm like the Dodgers in the in the West. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams travel to Miami. I love Miami to take on Tua Tonga Vailoa and the Dolphins Tua getting his first NFL start. Now it comes against a very tough Rams defense. Dominic, who do you have to win and what are you looking at and expecting from Tua in his first start? Well, I'm going to go with the Rams. I feel like, you know, defense, I feel like the offense ain't much better than the Dolphins, but I think their defense is better. So I think they will keep their scoring to a minimum. And then with Tua, I mean, I think he'll put some decent numbers up, you know, probably under 300 yards, you know, maybe two, two TD passes, you know, maybe an interception, but um, definitely, 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 you know, not the best of outings, but a good one for your debut. I, I think Tua has a lot of upside. This is a very tough matchup to go against. They did have a week to prepare, but I think it's going to be a little too much. He's going to make a few rookie mistakes. I think the Rams will win. I think Tua will show splashes of greatness, but also rookie inexperience. Uh, I will go with the Rams. Now moving on, we get the New Orleans Saints traveling to Chicago to take on the Bears. The Bears losing to those Los Angeles Rams on Monday. Didn't look very good offensively. I think this is what we all kind of thought. Defensively, the Bears will be will hold them in games but it's just a matter of fact that offense is going to be able to do anything. And can they do something against new Orleans, which has a pretty good defense? Well, I think the saints still not playing Thomas. It's going to hurt them. I think the bears have a chance. I will go with the bears. And I will go with my new Orleans saints. No, Michael Thomas this week, no Emmanuel Sanders, as well. So the receiving core, it's going to be kind of thrown together, but I think it's going to be a big Alvin Kamara day, maybe not running the ball, but I think some dump off passes and you can get some, some yak. And I think the saints will win. Now the uh, big game, I think of the late schedule is the San Francisco 49ers taking on the Seattle Seagulls, San Francisco, coming off of a very, very big, impressive win against the New England Patriots, the Seahawks coming off of maybe the the uh, game of the year thus far against the Arizona Cardinals. It is in Seattle. Doesn't mean as much as it used to. But, Dominic, what do you expect from this game? Will it be close? Last year, these two matchups were probably the two best games of the season. Can we see a very similar situation here? I mean, I am in Washington, so maybe it's only fitting that I go with Seattle. But you're you part of the 12 now, Dominic. Home, well, no home, homegrown boy, you know, grow up in the Bay. I'll go Seattle. I think they're just kicking ass this season. So I'll go Seattle. Fuck it. I'll go different. I'll go since, you know, I'm out here in the Bay. I guess I got to go with the San Francisco 49ers. I do think, I mean, I think from a fantasy perspective, both of these backfields are coming in with some question marks. They got some injuries. We don't exactly know what's going to be going down. I'm not exactly stable on that pick. I, I do think Seattle will be able to put up some points. Now, the New England defense is not what it used to be, similar to the Seahawks. The Seahawks defense isn't what it used to be. So I think if the 49ers can kind of have the, the good game play, a good game plan and come in and, 
you know, do what they got to do. They can keep this very close. And as long as Jimmy, Jimmy G doesn't fuck up, I think they'll, they can win this game. Not, not really uh, decisive about that or really confident, but I'm just going to ride with it. Speaking of those New England Patriots, they traveled to Buffalo to take on the Bills, who, as I said, barely scraped by the New York Jets at the Meadowlands. These New England Patriots just are not looking very good. Cam was kind of hot at the beginning of the season. Then he gets COVID and not doing so well after the fact. Josh Allen, not looking so hot. So kind of a get-right game for both of these teams. Dominic, does New England have any chance? I kind of, I kind of want to, I kind of want to go with. I think I'm going to go with the Bills. I think Cam, something's wrong. I don't know if it's his mechanics, if it's play calling, if it's just coming back from COVID and just something's. He's just not mentally there, but something is wrong, and this is not going to be the game they're going to get it together. So I'm going to go with Buffalo. All right, that or I will go with Buffalo as. Well, I, I think New England, I think this is just a lost season now. If they are really taken for Trevor, watch out. We're going to get another 20 years of New England dominance, which I don't think we really want to see that. But we keep saying, like, Buffalo, they have a week schedule. They have the Jets. They're going to get back on track. They have the New England this week. They can get back on track. I think if they can't really get it done this week, then I think there's going to have to be some question marks. Obviously not going to, like, change up and blow everything up. But I think we're at the wonder because that defense just isn't the same. It's not – the Bills defense from last year. So if that offense can't light it up and really, you know, outrun the other teams, we're going to have to uh, wait and see. Then the matchup that Dominic is looking forward to, the Las Vegas Raiders take on the Cleveland Browns. Baker Mayfield lit it up against Mr. X's Cincinnati Bengals, but it came at a cost. Odell has Torrey's ACL. He will not be with the team the remainder of the season. The Raiders coming off of kind of, I guess you can kind of call it a blowout, but they kept it close for a majority of the game against the Buccaneers. Dominic, I think I know where you're going to go, but just kind of explain how the Raiders beat the Browns. I mean, it's going to be Derek Carr to Henry Ruggs for the majority of the game. Josh Jacobs is going to have a couple rushing touchdowns. So going to go with the Raiders. You already know how I roll, baby. And I will go with the Cleveland Browns. I, I don't think they're going to light it up offensively like they did last week. I I think this could be kind of a, a shootout. So I'm kind of going back and forth. I don't know what the fuck I'm even trying to say here, but I think Kareem Hunt, they're going to want to establish that run and they don't want to lean on Baker Mayfield. I don't think we're going to see Baker throw for five touchdowns like he did last week, but I, th- I think Cleveland gets it done. They have a good enough defense to kind of keep Derek Carr in check. And it is at home. Cleveland kind of takes advantage of kind of the, you know, the bottom half or the middle to bottom half of the team of the league. And I think that's kind of where the Raiders are at at this point. So I will go with Cleveland. Then staying with the Western teams, we get the Los Angeles Rams taking on the Denver Broncos in mile high. Dominic, who do you got to win this one? You said it was the Rams? Yes. I thought you said the Rams earlier. What did I say earlier? I don't know what the hell. Maybe the Chargers. The... Oh, the Chargers. Oh, well, I'm sorry, you, Do- you know, Dominic, you actually pay attention. Look at you. Sorry. I do my best. The so one time the you Chargers. actually pay attention to me. Chargers, Broncos, Herbert is way better than whoever the fucking QB is in Denver. So I'll go with the Chargers. Hey, don't sleep on Drew Locke. He puts on for his city. 
I'm going to continue to sleep on his bitch ass. So I'm going with, with the Chargers and Herbert. I will go with the Chargers as well. I think Herbert is on fire. The The Broncos have a good defense. It, they're not going to you know, keep him in check that much. Austin Eckler's still out. But I think Justin Herbert will win. Now moving on to the primetime games. We get the NFC East battle. Woo! Hot stuff here. We get the Dallas Cowboys in Ben Danucci. Takes on the Philadelphia Eagles. Carson Wentz battle for the trash can that is the NFC East. Dominic, Andy Dalton got laid the fuck out due to a dirty hit. So he will not be the quarterback. But Ben Danucci will be it. Can Ben Danucci get the win against the Eagles? Negative. I think uh, just because the Philly's a little more healthy, I think Philly's going to etch this one out just by a little bit. Definitely don't see the Cowboys winning anything else this season. Who is the Dallas Cowboys quarterback this week, Dominic? Delucci. That's just for, you know, you and Travis. I wanted you to do the gimmick. What, what, what's the gimmick? Ben Danucci. Ben Danucci. There we go. Love to see it. I will go with Philly as well. This is Dallas team. Offensively, they got some weapons, but if I think it just shows how great Dak Prescott is because he was able to be the strongest of perfume over the pile of shit. That is the Dallas Cowboys. So pay pay the man, damn it. Pay Dak. He will be a starting quarterback next year. I don't know whatever what everyone else says, but he will be a starting quarterback next year. Right, Dominic? No. Exactly. Then Monday Night Football, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers take on the New York Football Giants in the Meadowlands. Tough matchup for the Giants here. Tampa Bay, do they continue to roll? definitely green bay i mean green bay jesus uh tom brady definitely gonna kick that giant ass if you know what i mean and i will go with tampa bay as well antonio brown is coming he should be here next week now does he play no he'll be able to be activated next week but will he play we don't exactly know chris godwin will be out so scotty miller your turn bud mike evans who the fuck knows what's going on with him? But I think Tampa Bay gets the job done. I think it's going to be kind of an, I think an easy win. I think they'll cruise past them. And I think that defense of Tampa Bay, which has shown it is elite, will give that terrible New York Giants O-line fits. Then going to next week in the Thursday night football matchup, we have a good one for the first time in a long time. We get the Green Bay Packers taking on San Francisco, the 49ers. Both of these teams coming off of divisional matchups this week. Maybe that kind of leads into next week, short week. Dominic, who do you got in this one? Part of me wants to go with Green Bay just because I feel like coming off of this week, they're going to kind of be rolling a little hot. But I think I'll continue. I'll, I'll go with San Francisco just because I think Jimmy G. Well, actually, damn, Bose is out, though. Hmm. You know what? I'll still give it to Frisco. I think they, they've been having the Green Bay's Packers number for a couple of years now. I'm going to go with, with the Niners. And I will go with Green Bay to get the win here. I, I don't think that San Francisco defense is as stingent as it was last year. I don't think that 
the offense, at least the running game, will be as good as it was last year. And that definitely was what hurt them in the NFC Championship game. So I will go with Green Bay. Obviously, if there's some major injuries or something from this week, that definitely can lead into next week. I think if Aaron Jones, because if Aaron Jones isn't playing this week, I think he has a good chance of coming back and playing next week on the short week. So I think that's why they're holding him out this week against the lackluster Vikings. So I think if Aaron Jones is back, that's definitely going to help him. I think Green Bay will win. Now let's go to the mailbag real quick because Dominic, you know, he's getting pulled on by the studio audience and everyone in that crowded Washington house. So let's get her done and go to the mailbag, Dominic. Give us everyone's other favorite segment. I mean, I think this is by far everybody's favorite segment, but just because I'm in a backyard and, you know, there's people listening, I'm just going to go with the the light version of Mr. X's questions of the week. Oh, it's kind of like back in the day when we would do the truck podcast and Dominic would get embarrassed and like, you know, hide him, hide away. And come on, you're you're a world-renowned podcaster. Embrace it. Be loud. Mr. X's questions of the week, motherfuckers. There you go. Okay, whatever. So he says, "Yo, I guess yo. that's a hey, yo. must be a must be a Cincy thing, you know, talking like uh, Scott Hall a little bit." But uh, how big of a dumbass is Justin Turner for celebrating on the field with his team and everyone after his positive diagnosis? I mean, we already talked about that. He's fucking stupid. But you know, we're going, we're blaming not just him, we're blaming MLB too. So, and I don't know if you want to bring that up again, real quick, Brandon, or you know, do we just tell people to? Listen to the beginning of the podcast. Well, if you made it this far, I hope you listen to the beginning of the podcast. That's very true. So if you haven't, listen to the beginning of the podcast. We, we go on a rant about that. Um, after the announcement that there will be a 20% capacity for fans at the Super Bowl, will prices for these tickets be even higher than normal? And will it be worth it? Brandon, I know. Look, I already know your answer. If I asked, would you go if you could afford it? You would say no because you ain't going to get COVID. But... How high are these tickets? You think they're normal price? More? Less? What the hell? It's the it's the Super Bowl. They're gonna be overpriced, and that's kind of what I wonder with the MLB. Who I mean, the A's are kind of already getting the okay to run fans, and so I'm kind of wondering, like, does that mean that they're gonna overcharge and like make it more, or are they gonna realize that you know people don't really want to go to these games or kind of skeptical because of everything? So do they kind of give you a price decrease? But when it's like a big event like the Super Bowl, it's going to – I don't think they're going to upcharge it too much. I think it will probably be the same exorbitant amount of price, you know, price that mm-hmm. it normally is, whatever, mm-hmm. a few hundred bucks for the nosebleeds. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I wasn't going to the Super Bowl regardless, so I'm definitely not going during a COVID era when – I mean, unless if it's the Saints versus the Raiders, then maybe, but I don't think that's going to happen. Okay. Good, 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 good. Um, let's see. Was trading Carlos Dunlap a smart move for the Bengals or another blunder in the long, frustrating history of this team? So, yeah, I forgot to put this on the script, but Carlos Dunlap gets traded from Cincy to the Seahawks and the Seahawks. They, I mean, as I said, you know, their defense isn't what it used to be. And Carlos Dunlap kind of, you know, a veteran in the game, the, the Bengals, as, as good as Joe Burrow is, they're not going to be doing anything this season. So if you can trade, get some, draft value from it and kind of move on not exactly clear house because i think you want to build up that offensive line and defensive line and everything like that but uh yeah i'm not going to sit here and say it was a terrible move by any means but uh you know i i think since he has a bright future with joe burrow so don't overreact too much right now okay i don't know shit about dunlap so i'll, I'll agree with you on that one um and brandon last sports one and this might go off for a long time, so I really hope we don't talk too much about it because, you know, I'm getting pulled yet again. But What do you have to do, Dominic? 
let the people know what's on what's on the docket in Washington for the Hobson household. I don't, I don't need to say shit about my personal life. So how about you watch your damn mouth? Um, wow. Brandon, talk about is Kahib the greatest UFC fighter of all time? I don't know who Kab- Kahib is. Khabib. Oh, Khabib. Yes, yes. I, I mean, I think there definitely is an argument to be made. Retires undefeated. Uh, mm-hmm. He wasn't really challenged at all, really. And he faced the top talent, you know, he, face the top guys. We thought Gaethje was going to be a challenge. You know, gave him a little bit of fits in the first round, but for the most part, Habib was able to take care of him, wipe the floor with Conor McGregor, and, you know, obviously undefeated, he beat everybody else. So I think there is a argument to be made. Now, I'm not the biggest MMA expert in the world to exactly say that and like definitively say he is, but mm-hmm. he definitely is in contention for that. So, on to the wrestling part now. Um what can we expect from this next Netflix documentary on Vince McMahon? Will it be real in-depth piece that really examines who he is and pulls no punches? I don't think so. I think it's going to be very WWE edited and, you know, don't talk about this, don't say that. Um, you know, definitely nothing about Chris Benoit, stuff like that. So I don't think it's going to be – I mean, I think it's probably going to be more of, like, how it came to be. But then again, you have to wait and see for that. But I'm sure you're going to talk about that later, right? Uh, we were going to talk about it later. We also had a different question on the same topic, but just kind of establishing Mr. Just going off of Mr. X's question. I think, as I said on the other podcast, and as you said right here, it's if it since WWE is a part of it, there's going to be probably some fluffing. There's going to be some, you know, positive, you know, shading of history. History is always written by the winners and WWE for better for worse is the winner. And now, it will be interesting because we've never really seen like a super in-depth uh-huh. Vince McMahon documentary, you know, about himself. So I think you have to you have to kind of go over the steroid trial. You have to go over <laughs> some negative aspects of yeah, his yeah. career. And I can definitely see that the studio audience is breathing down your neck to tell me to hurry the fuck up, and I'm going to keep going. Well, I mean, I can't blame her. Um, what are they doing? Oh, I'm sorry. Are they going with the Pat McAfee faction? Wait, are they going with this Pat McAfee faction? Whoa, where? I'm for, I forgot the where part in front of it. <laughs> where are they going with this Pat, Pat McAfee faction? Are they just going to be anti-Undisputed area? Or do they have long-term plans? Could they be bringing them into replace Undisputed because Cole and company are getting called up? I'm excited to see what they do with the Pat McAfee faction with Pete Dunne coming into the fold. I think it's it's a good addition, and who exactly knows, you know what what the original plans were with Ridge Holland. I think they did a good job in the Pat McAfee promo to kind of establish that Pat McAfee was behind it, whether he was or not. Uh, we might never know, but I I am really liking what I'm seeing from Pat McAfee and kind of pairing him with uh, Lorkin and Birch and Pete Dunne, three guys who could talk. They could, you know, ha- they have some personality, but they're not exactly Adam Cole in the Undisputed Era. So I think having Pat there and kind of bringing everybody along and kind of, you know, being the mouthpiece, the annoying guy. Now he is a little taller than the other dudes, which might be a little bit of a negative, but I think all in all, I trust NXT. I trust Pat to uh, do a good job here. Yeah. I, I, I like, you know, I was kind of against it, Pat being with them in the beginning, but I think everything you said, you know, kind of does make sense now, you know, Pat is just that over the top, you know, escort valet you know, manager, whatever you want to call him. So it kind of fits the personalities that the manager is the one that's going to be doing all the shit talking. And when someone tries to, to beat him up, you have them there to back him up. Um, let's see. Two more questions. 
is it good or bad? NXT isn't involved in this year's Survivor Series. I think it's bad, but then again, maybe I'm, I'm hoping that they just have an even better Survivor Series. So maybe it's good in the long run. So NXT is not a part of Survivor Series this year, correct? Or are they? I don't know. I, it was minor. I don't think they are because on Raw, they kind of did the entire rundown of all the matches and the champions. So I would assume since they announced all the matches that that means NXT isn't a part of it, which I am perfectly fine with. I think I don't like the brand warfare to begin with between SmackDown and Raw because it doesn't make any sense. It's kind of stupid to begin with. So just adding NXT, which at least NXT kind of has that brand loyalty type of thing to it. So it makes a little bit more sense on that end, mm. but I'm happy just kind of keeping it separate. Keep WWE Raw and SmackDown on one place, one planet or universe, one planet on the universe and keep universe, NXT yeah. on the other side. Okay. Last but not least, the question that will send me back inside my warm house. No, we, we got one. We got, we have one more. We have one more question, and it's the perfect one to end on. Has Vince given up on Otis after everything has befallen him lately? I think yes. I think he's kind of, you know, finally seen the bigger picture with Otis and how I don't think he. I mean, not not to say he's a bad wrestler, but I don't see him being a big money draw. You know, like a Randy Orton, like a John Cena, like a Seth Rollins, like a Roman Reigns. So I think that's the whole reason why they gave it to the Miz, because at least the Miz, you know, has a little bit of name value, a little bit of face value. So I think that's the whole reason why, you know, he technically lost the the, the briefcase. So now when it comes to Otis, that one, I, I I wasn't on like that where I feel like he was going to be the you know the the main guy in WWE. You can have a mid card over babyface have hold the briefcase and maybe cash in against roman reigns he does he comes up short but you can tell that story you don't need to have it always be a heel hold it you don't always have to have it be successful and just tell kind of different stories and i think him catching fire in the beginning of the, the year was definitely provoked by the, the, there being a crowd there and now that there isn't a crowd i don't think he's really on the same level like he used to be but i just feel like the miz it's kind of the same old shit We've seen it before. I don't like what he's doing with John Morrison. It's not funny. It's not really intriguing. But, I mean, it, it's Vince. He's going to go with what he knows. And having Miz being an obnoxious heel with the briefcase, we've seen it before with the Miz. So might as well do it again, I guess. But And then also the kind of Otis and Tucker situation where they break him off, but then they put him on different shows. And then Tucker turns on Otis, but they're on different shows. So how are they going to have this match? Are they just going to forced on a survivor series because it's brand warfare and blah 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 so that's also another aspect of things that's also confusing is there just seems like there's no long-term planning because i think when otis won it at money in the bank the plan they didn't have a plan they were like oh it'll be funny to have otis win the cha- win the title or win the whatever the briefcase but they didn't have a plan going forward so then when they're like well shit we have to like do something with this do we really want to put otis in a main event no, and they give said it to the hell mess. fucking no. Exactly, yeah. All right, now, finally, we go to the Instagram. I asked her some questions. We actually received two. We're only going to answer one because we'll talk about that other one in the wrestling portion when Dominic steps out because apparently this is a weekly occurrence at this point, but it is a perfect time to ask this question as Dominic heads out. So, from our number one fan, Haley, ask, why is Curveballs and Chair Shots? the more superior podcast to trap door to hell. That is a wonderful, wonderful question. And, you know, 
as much as I want to sit here and just straight up just destroy him, I will be 100% honest and I will give all credit to my co-host who is more than a co-host. He is, you know, more, he is 99% host of this podcast. Brandon makes everything happen. He literally, shit, I don't even, I barely show up. I barely listen. I barely learn. I barely do anything. And he is able to turn it into something a little, you know, entertaining at least. I'd say my stupid shit. That's not scripted. That's just me being stupid. It all comes down to Brandon and, you know, all, all joking aside, all shit talking aside, he makes it happen. So I think it all has to do with Brandon. You know, it, you know, he, he is great at this. Not, not taking anything away from those other two, but, you know, he always makes sure audio is on point. He always, you know, those beginning, the beginning year or so when, you know, out had to take a boo-boo break, he would always do those little cut-ins of, you know, the, uh, the Jeopardy little do-do-do-do-do little song, whatever you want to call it. But I give it 100% to Brandon. That's why this podcast is way better than Trapdoor to Hell. Aw, Dominic, you're so cute. <clears throat> Your mail. Your check will be in the mail very shortly. But uh, the way I wanted to go with this question is, I don't know if you listened to trap this week's Trapdoor to Hell on your excursion to Washington, but... Well, Dominic, first off, just a random question. How was uh, flying on an airplane during the COVID era? You don't like flying to begin with, but how was that? Oh, it wasn't too bad. It was just me and Mary in the seat because the middle was vacant because was, of COVID. Was it a full plane or was it like half full? It was pretty full, actually, surprisingly. Pretty full for a Thursday to Washington, Spokane at least, too. But um, it wasn't too bad. Just, you know, they, they, they you know, walked through with trash cans for your hand wipes and they handed out hand wipes and stuff like that, so... Southwest, I think, did a great job. All right. So the way I wanted to go with this is on the latest episode of Trapdoor to Hell, they responded to your challenge. Not my challenge. I stayed the hell away from this because basketball, playing basketball is not my forte. But they have agreed to this two-on-two battle. And not only did have they agreed, but they wanted Travis, at least. And I think this, this beef, once again, is more between you and Travis than me and you against Travis and Tyler. But Travis had to come correct. He had to come for your neck because you were out here saying that, oh, you know, I went to the diocese. But I got I got taken out the first round, but at least I went to the diocese. Well, Dominic, I hate to it to inform you that Travis not only went to the diocese twice, he also won it. So I don't know if that if you want to walk any of those fucking, challenges back. I call fucking bull motherfucking shit. St. John's, ever since we've been playing, never won the diocese. I want to see his first place trophy. I want a picture sent to me. I want evidence because I call motherfucking. He might have won a tournament, but it wasn't the diocese. I know for a goddamn fact it wasn't that. So I want the proof before I fucking say anything else about this shit. No, that, that's all you got, Dominic. I, I, I want it. I want some little spicy. I mean, it seems though this two on two thing will happen. They, they kind of laughed at you being half doing a full court thing because you seemingly were just a, a half court defensive player. You didn't really do anything offensively on the other end of the court. They're coming for you. They think even though Travis might be a smoker, a drinker, hasn't worked out in like 15 years, if that, his entire life maybe, he still feels like if he gets challenged, he will rise to the occasion. And he will. I mean, I, I can just point out the fact that I can run 50 yards or whatever. What, whatever. We, I can run you know, 25 feet and not fall flat on my face. So well, we have to play it, this entire basketball game in slides. 
We might, we might have to. I'm, <laughs> I mean, if that if that's the condition, sure. But I mean, I know I can run and not fall on my face, and you know, yeah, maybe maybe I'm defensive minded, but I mean, I still put up points. There's nothing wrong with that. Defense leads the offense, buddy. So, you know, I wasn't just throwing up threes half the time like he was. So, and I know I'm pretty sure he said, "Oh, I was I was dominant." Every, everybody, when they talk about their past, they're gunslingers. They're fucking putting up dunks and fucking threes and fucking 20, double doubles and shit. You know, I, I'm honest. I was better at defense than offense. I had a, I always scored a couple points, but for him to say that, you know, he went to the dice and won. I can see him going to the dice. St. John's was decent, but you know, I definitely don't see them winning it. So I want the proof. Well, we will have to get some proof maybe next week, maybe tonight. Who exactly knows? So that'll do it for the sports slash fan mail question portion of the podcast. Once again, Dominic will step out. We're going to actually end the segment here. We're going to hit a pause button and I'll come back in a little bit. So, you know, the podcast, as you're listening to it, it's probably going to come out very later than it normally will be. Maybe you'll listen to the Saturday or Friday night. Who exactly knows? But we're going to have a special guest on the podcast, Dominic. So I guess we'll kind of sign off here and then we'll come back. So I guess you can do the signing off on the, on this ep- on this portion, this half of the podcast. I mean, do I have to? Or can I mean, you? Or I mean, you're so good at it. I just I just upsold the shit out of you and you're going to make me close it off? I mean, it's not really closing. It's more like a transition thing. So, I mean, I could just be like, okay, okay, guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break sponsored by Raise Energy. Boom. Use promo code CBCS at checkout. Go to repsports.com. That's rep with two P's, R-E-P-P-S-P-O-R-T-S.com. And Tyler Tyler gets no commission. Nobody gets any commission except for Dominic. I do all the work, but Dominic gets all the money, right? I'll give you a kickback. Let's let's go. So that uh, basketball tournament or basketball showdown. Coming soon. Coming coming, soon. Coming soon. The beef, the barbecue beef. I guess has been extinguished and now we're, we're getting athletic over here and we're going to play basketball, maybe live stream coming soon, a slides only basketball. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Okay. So we're going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to come back and me and somebody else will talk some very informative wrestling talk, which everyone loves about this podcast. All right, we are back from our quick little commercial break. Unfortunately, Dominic had to step away because he had to do things in Washington. What? He didn't want to divulge because apparently he doesn't want to have his life out there to the millions and millions of people that watch. But we have a special guest on the line to talk some wrestling. We have Frenemy of the podcast, Points and Doinks co-host, co-host of Trapdoor to Hell. See him every Tuesday and Wednesday. Tyler Gunderson. Tyler, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. I'm excited making my uh, curveball and chair shot debut uh, under just a curveball and chair shot moniker. Of course, you know, we've done our trap door to trap door to curveballs or whatever the hell we call it before. But to be to be under this brand, it just feels feels exotic. It feels fancy. You don't have you don't have Travis holding you down. Exactly. I feel like I could. I'm like a bird. I want to fly away. This is the first podcast you've ever done without your brother. It is. Wow. Didn't Look even think about that. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm flying high right now. Uh, very happy to be taking the place of that no good thug over there, Dominic, who I hear he's talking shit. Oh, yeah. So before Dominic left, we took a question from the fans. And of course, our number one fan, Haley, 
slid into the DMs and asked us why we are. Who is that? Supp- she sounds real hot. So you want to hook it up? I mean, I don't divulge the fans' personal information. I think she follows us. I'll have you want to look to, her up. If you want, yeah, if you want to go on our page, she's probably there under followers. Okay. And I'll you have know, to, I'll have to just Tyler. Sure. None of the creeps out no, there. No, 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 no. You other pieces of shit. She's mine. Mine. All right. Consensually. Consensually. Yes. Yes. Of course. But yes, of before course. she uh, asked us a question, and we had to talk about, of course, the beef we got between you guys, trapped or to hell that is. Dominic once again laid down the gauntlet, the basketball gauntlet that is. And I had to inform him that Travis is well-versed in the diocese, which is yes. like, I, I'd never played. So if you'd like to explain what exactly that is, that's like kind of the, the tournament between all the different churches, the good this churches. Is, hey, this is the NBA championship of church, of CYO, of church basketball, man. The who's who of California church basketball is those dioceses. Um, I never personally, I played up until about fourth grade, CYO and then I stopped uh Travis was the one who played all the way till eighth grade and uh yeah I do remember as a young child going to these to these games and yes they did take second place and they did take first place so I don't know I mean like Travis said on our podcast which what's better losing in the first round or winning the whole damn thing taking the whole crown so you know I'm the stats tell themselves the stats the the trophy case is there to prove it Dominic asked for physical proof. I have yet to get any physical proof. I assume I will get it shortly, maybe post it up on the Instagram. Yeah. I, I assume Travis will have his rebuttal either on points and doinks on Tuesday, but definitely on Trapdoor on Wednesday. But the reason we're here is to talk some wrestling. Last week, I wanted alone. Didn't want to do that again, so I yeah. asked for the help. Could I can't leave my boy Cheese hanging. I just can't do it. I'm sorry. Do they call I, I forget. Does, does Dominic ever call you Cheese on here? He calls me cheese a lot more but i don't think on the podcast he ever calls me that he usually okay. will call me that when we're playing video games well you know what the the listeners are gonna have to get used to it because it's gonna be weird for me to call you brandon on this so the uh, for everybody out there brandon cheese same person same one person in, one in the same one in the same now tyler used to watch wrestling not I, hardcore I was, I was, but he yeah. he watched the wwe he watched a little bit of Hell in a Cell this past weekend. He dabbled. He watched the highlight videos because we just kind of sprung upon this responsibility about an hour in. But he figured it out. He watched his things just like Dominic. He might have actually watched the shows, but damn it, he watched his recaps. I, I caught I, uh, with with the amount of time you sprung on me for NXT. I caught a good majority of it. It was about an hour and a half. I skipped through here and there, but I, I would say I got pretty much the gist of it. And then Hell in a Cell, I mean... I missed the first few matches, but the, uh, you know, I caught the end of it. All right. So we, we finished the first segment with some listener questions, but we're going to start the second segment with some, with a listener question, Ty Gundy 27. Oh shit. Did I ask a question? Chime chimed in on the Instagram asking, (laughs) what are we looking for? What are we looking at with the Vince McMahon documentary on Netflix? What do we want to see personally now? Tyler Gunderson, who used to have a number 27 in baseball. This is true. This is what true. are you looking forward to? What do you expect from this Vince McMahon, Bill Simmons led documentary? Well, this is wild. This is the, you know, I answer my questions quite often, but with this amount of time to actually think about it, I, I'm really excited. I, you know, the, the, I'm a big documentaries guy. Uh, I'd like to see the business side of how the WWE is run 
because I mean, it's it's an open it's an open book, but at the same time, I'm sure there's a lot of shit that goes on behind the scenes that not a lot of people know about. And I hope they I hope they're able to open that up a little bit, and we get a little sneak preview into into what it's what it's really like to be Vince McMahon and be this owner of this billion dollar company. So it is WWE does have a hand in it. So that's always I'm a little weary that they're not going to get that, deep yeah. into it. And I mean, Bill Simmons, he did the HBO documentary about Andre the Giant. I thought that was very good. I think, you know, cinematically, storytelling wise, it should be a very good documentary. Now, when it ter- in terms of what you were talking about in depth, are we going to get to the dirty stuff of the steroid trial, maybe some oh, allegations. Yeah. <laughs> I think you have to go over the steroid trial, but I don't think they're going to, you know, make Vince McMahon look like this terrible person. I think that at the end of the day, he's going to have his struggles, but he's going to come out on top and look like this great, great promoter as Vince McMahon sees himself as. So I never got the chance to watch that Andre the Giant doc. I've always meant to get around to it. Never, never really was able to. So I can't speak too much to that. But the way you're making it sound, it kind of reminds me of the Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire kind of uh, 30 for 30 they just did, where they just kind of really glossed over all the shit that we really wanted to hear about. And it was just a home run montage. Are you kind of seeing that same thing being for this for this doc? Probably. I mean, the okay. Andre documentary, I think that was more kind of Bill Simmons on his own. WWE helped a little bit, yeah. but I don't think it's really in WWE's interest to, you know, try to make Andre seem like that. I mean, yeah, Andre has some some dark things in his past, but it's not like Vince McMahon. Like there's some things with Vince that you could <laughs> definitely go into that I don't think they're going to talk about. Man, that, that's a damn shame. But uh Maybe, maybe with you, with like, like you said, with WWE only being a part of, like, they're not, run, they're not producing the whole damn thing. Maybe we might get a little something. I'm gonna hold out hope. I'm gonna hold out hope. Are we gonna get a review of this on Trapdoor to Hell? That's what I want to know. Um, that's that's a possibility. This actually might be something we do, like when we did uh, what was it? Onward. We might have to do a Trapdoor to Curveballs and Chair Shots show to uh, to review that one. Still waiting for my girl on the third floor movie review, but it's okay. I know it's Halloween season. We've been the perfect time to look to review it, but it's fine. Uh, you, uh, that's a bad movie. That's a bad. Uh, you just rev- you just reviewed like one of the worst Blumhouse movies you've ever seen. So it's not like uh, you don't a good watch point. a bad movie. <laughs> that's a good point, but man, at least at least with with like these Blumhouse movies, we could talk about how bad they are. The girl on the third floor just had a whole lot of nothing, so it, it would be a very short review. Hey, here's our review right here. We just did a review. What's your number? I'd put that movie at about a 37. It's been a while, but I'll I'll put it at like a 32. I, Look at it, that. Look at that. It's one of those movies. I think usually I don't watch a lot of movies. So like usually I'll watch the good ones, except for the wrong Missy, of course. Ooh, so so like I was like 20, 30 minutes in. I was like, man, this movie's trash, but I'm gotta, just going to finish it. Hey, push CM, CM Punk's in it. You got to watch just to see CM Punk's, you know, acting debut. But that was that was the only thing keeping me going through this thing. Wow, tells you burp on the podcast. I did. I, wow. I got I got to bring my trapdoor to hell flavor to it. Yeah. So, moving on, Hell in a Cell. Tyler actually watched a little bit of it. The Thunderdome. You have you watched the Thunderdome because they did at SummerSlam. So I've seen the Thunderdome, and then of course with the NXT that they just that I just watched today, the Halloween Havoc. Yeah, I've I've noticed that the Thunderdome. It's kind of just whatever. It's weird. Coronavirus times. It's weird. You know, I I do I have noticed like, uh, with Raw the past like uh, the past couple of weeks they've been like trying to put 
wrestlers in the Thunderdome and trying to incorporate it into the show. How do you feel about that? I mean, it's, it's fine. I guess there was a segment where Matthew McConaughey was in the crowd and they were trying to like zoom in on him, but it's like the more you zoom in, the more pixelated it is and you can't tell. So they kind of zoom back out. And it's like, the, it's, you know, Matthew McConaughey in this little ass fucking square, but there's like 20 other people surrounding him. And it's kind of like hard to find him. And yeah, it was, it was kind of weird. <laughs> it's, it's like when the, when the old person is trying to find something on their, uh, on a picture and they're just zooming in and they're like, why is it so blurry? Why is it so blurry? They don't understand that the more you zoom in, the, the harder it is to see. Uh, that's why, that's what I imagine. Uh, whoever's running that production, whoever's trying to get that shot is probably like 90 years old. Kevin Dunn might be 90 years old. We don't know, but on Hell in a Cell, get, look at that. Three Hell in a Cell matches. I mean, if you have Hell in a Cell, might as well have three of them. Not one, not two, but three. I do all like them, that. All of them went about a half hour. Now I got to disagree with you, Tyler. Not liking that because if you, you're going you li- to have three Hell in a Cell matches, it kind of takes away from the main event one, which in theory should be the biggest and best one. The Roman reigns Jey Uso match was an I quit match. It didn't need a Hell in a Cell. You could have just taken that one out. It was very, you know, plotting and there was some hardcore aspects to it. It didn't need the sell. And I'm not a big fan of having these whatever gimmick pay-per-views in the first place to where, oh, it's October. Oh, look, it's Hell in a Cell. I guess we have to have a Hell in a Cell match. Boom. Yeah, see, this I like, so I'm a big fan of gimmick matches just because it you get the bigger spots. I'm a bit, you know, you know me, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, You're show. a spot monkey. I'm a spot monkey. All right. So I like, I like that, but I did not like the choice of who they went for with the main event. Like you said, they talked, like you talked about the, uh, the Uso versus Uso versus Uso basically, but Roman Reigns versus what was it? Jimmy or Jay? I can't remember. It is I get Jay. It, mixed up. it was Jay. Um, I thought that should have been more of a main event because it was an I quit match. You have the opportunity to do bigger main event type spots for it. And I feel like putting that match first, kind of set set the show on a downward slope from there but then we saw with the uh second to last match that that's not really the case now wasn't yeah i I mean they had it in the main event last whatever last pay-per-view having drew and randy i kind of get it because randy ended up did winning the title not a big fan of that tyler your thoughts on randy orton after having this feud going for so long drew mcintyre wins for the most part all the matches and then now at the end randy orton's the new champion kind of been there done that your thoughts on now randy being the champion it it doesn't make sense to me just based on the fact that you know drew had to climb this climb this mountain get to the top scratch and claw wins the title what did he win it at SummerSlam? it was SummerSlam, wasn't it wrestlemania did he win it? He's held the title for that long. God, I've been out of I've been out of wrestling for <laughs> this is the a little while now. This, this is it, fucking dating me right it make, here. It makes you guys look. You're making people appreciate Dominic and his knowledge. Ugh, that's that's tough. That's tough. Uh, if he won it at WrestleMania, I mean, still, this is a guy. This is a guy that you want the title on him for a while. I don't. I don't. I just unless unless you're transitioning it to somebody else which I don't see they, why they would drew has, has shown himself as a good champion. And I don't know why putting, why you're putting it on Randy, Randy in this situation. Yeah, It's, I have a lot of question marks. Like what is the point of it? You don't yeah. need Randy to have it for the 14th time, unless they're just trying to build up numbers and you can do like a Randy or John Cena storyline where you're trying to, who can hold the most titles all the time. But 
I like Drew as a champion. Yeah, you know, he's during the, the COVID era, so you can't really get a gauge on how the fans are feeling about him. But I kind of agree with you. If you're going to go in a different direction, do we really have to go with the Randy Orton? And also in the storyline, like Drew won two out of the three matches. I feel like he should have just won the entire feud because then it just kind of makes him look like a chump if he's going to lose the last one and then not challenge for it again. Because we're seeing that now Randy's kind of taking a hard turn to the Fiend or uh, Roman Reigns Summer uh, Survivor Series. Yeah, you're you're kind of burying one of your bigger bigger superstars by doing this, and it's it, it's not a good look. It's not a good look at all. Not a good look at all. Now let's get into Raw. Now, Tyler, I just want to ask because we didn't ask this in the production meeting exactly how much how how comfortable do you feel talking about all these topics? Man, I'll talk about. It. I, I'll I'll try and BS my way through it. Like I like you said, I saw the I saw the headlines and I seen the clips on on Twitter and stuff like that. So I can I can try and get through it. I think I'll be all right though. All right, all right. we we will push through because we are brave, stunning and brave. Exactly. And we are. Uh, so Drew McIntyre starts off raw, cuts a promo, gets interrupted by Miz and Morrison. Miz, the new Money in the Bank. Winner, Tyler, I know you had some hot takes about this. Taking off your boy Otis and hey, putting man. on the Miz. How, how are you going to do my boy Otis like this? Like, he 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 deserves that money in the bank. Even if even if it's like a month run with the – or even if he's a guy who goes, cashes in, and loses, at least, you know, at least he's got the title. He's, he gets a title shot. Now, putting and it on his the boy, Miz, And his boy, his boy turned on him at that. Yeah, well, I, I kind of seen that as as we know, we you guys talked about the iconics getting broken up. Uh, Vince McMahon has no love. He he has no he does not lose sleep over breaking up these great tag teams, and it it absolutely kills me. But yeah, and then not only are you gonna take it off Otis, you're gonna put it on a guy like The Miz, who's our like he doesn't need a Money in the Bank title, or he doesn't need a Money in the Bank bank briefcase, like. He he can he's proven himself worthy enough to if you want to give him a title shot nobody's gonna go oh that guy shouldn't get a title shot they're gonna go okay it's the Miz you know yeah it's, it's very it's very similar to Randy Orton like you we've been there before the Miz has won Money in the Bank before can we get I, something different with Otis so like what happened did COVID hit and all of a sudden we got put back into 2010 or like what's going on here like the Miz has got the Money in the Bank Randy Orton's a world champion again like what's next. What's next? You got to stick with what brought you to the dance, Tyler. Jesus Christ, man! This it it's hey, it's hey, we're we're, get, we're getting Raw and WWE out of the way early. We're gonna finish strong with AEW and NXT. That AEW is gonna be a lot tougher because I I don't see a lot of that stuff. So that that's which gonna you be should. a fun one. Which you should, I, Tyler. If like if I'm gonna get back into wrestling, that's where I'm gonna start. And who knows if Dominic keeps slacking off like he is, I might have to start getting back into wrestling again just so I don't look like a fool like I am right now. Uh, so after that, we build a match between Drew and The Miz. Got to get, get your heat back, brother. Drew beats up on The Miz, gets the win, and there you go. We get a moment of bliss at the end of Raw where Randy Orton is with Alexa Bliss. Alexa Bliss is all crazy and kooky now. Yep. Uh, the Fiend, come, or Drew McIntyre, comes in to go beat up Randy Orton because he said he was going to do that. The Fiend comes out. Randy is between a rock and a hard place, and he ends up choosing to get beaten up by Drew McIntyre instead of the Fiend. I just it it doesn't make sense, cheese. It doesn't make sense. Can you try and make it make sense? Like, let me hear your explanation to what you think is happening. 
so that maybe it could click in this brain of mine. Okay, so Drew McIntyre is salty because he lost, so he wants his title back, so that's why he's beating up Randy. Like, that makes sense. Okay, I get that. The Fiend wants to go after Randy Orton because, like, three, four years ago when they were feuding, when it was Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton, Randy Orton burnt down the Fiend's house. Lit the house on fire. And so, you know, he's still salty about that, even though I feel like that feud has been over with and we're fine, but, you know, I got to turn back around. But now the Fiend, I guess, is a babyface if he's going against... The Randy Orton, but it's always it's you know the fiend is still kind of heelish. It's they, too many. I, I tried too I tried. many too many of these uh, wrestlers. Too many of these. I don't want to call them characters, but like they're too like middle of the road. They're not heel enough to be a heel, but they're not baby face enough to be a, a baby face. It's like, will you just pick a fucking side and roll with it? Why are they doing this like? In the in the middle of the road type shit. I have no God, idea, Tyler. man. This is and th- like this goes to show you when when you get out of like somebody like me who fell out of wrestling a few years ago, they're not actively working to try to get people back into it. They're like, okay, we have our tight loyal fans. We're just gonna keep them happy. We're not gonna try and branch out and get new people in or nothing like that, Tyler. Now you're starting to get it. God, man, it's Good frustrating. Because, like, I want to I wanna get into the product. I would love to be back into it. And like like you know, I get into it. I, I, I'm a road to WrestleMania guy. Once January rolls around, I start getting back into wrestling. And I watch up until WrestleMania. And I usually watch the pay-per-view directly after WrestleMania. And then I go, wow, did that take a turn? This is just shit, shit product. And then it turns me off. And then I'm like, well, I don't want to watch the rest of the year watching this shit. They're not going to do nothing for me. And that's why you have to pick and choose. That's why you watch AEW, you watch NXT, oh, watch New Japan, watch some bumfuck indie down the road with 20 people. Nice. You that's what pick, I'm talking about right there. Midget that's... wrestling. What, how come we don't talk? How come you guys don't talk enough midget wrestling on here? Uh, that, that's not really our uh, our apropos. You know, we, we I don't exactly know where the little person or midget wrestling is hornswoggle ah. he called he calls himself a midget so you know if he says it i guess it's okay but then you know we're gonna have the little people community come after us now thanks a lot tyler i thought wait a second i thought midget was the appropriate term i'm pretty sure it's not god damn it oh <laughs> no i'm gonna get canceled i'm gonna get canceled that's all right uh the <laughs> survivor series they're building to the battle of the brands because they just had a draft wrestlers have no brand loyalty because they've only been on there for a few weeks but damn it you got to show your your brand some pride uh they have some qualifying matches aj styles beats jeff hardy keith lee defeats elias and sheamus defeats not matt riddle just riddle because vince mcmahon thinks we're too stupid to know or say a first and last name so he's just riddle bro did he fucking did he do that bullshit again? Who who else did he? He did that to somebody else recently too. Uh, let's see. He's done it to Mustafa Ali, but now he's back to his name. He did it to Apollo Cruz, Antonio Cruz. Cesaro, Biggie Langston, uh, Andrade Cien Almas. That's who the one I was thinking of. Like, does he think we're just idiots? Like, uh, you, what is going through your and head? Rusev, where... don't forget Alexander Rusev. Rusev. Oh my god, that's just so stupid. That's that's just ridiculous. Riddle, riddle me this, Vince McMahon. Why are you why are you such a fucking idiot? That should be the first question that Bill Simmons asks him on that new documentary. I mean, I, I kind of wish Bill would kind of ask the hard questions. 
Probably not, but yeah. you, you, you never know. You never know. Uh, so kind of going off of the matches, I mean, AJ Styles beating Hardy, that's fine. I mean, a- Jeff Hardy kind of cowers to the big dude once again, or not once again, but again with Matt, sorry, Riddle did it last week and now Jeff Hardy doing it this week. Keith Lee gets his gets a win after losing to Braun Strowman. So yay, Keith Lee and uh, Sheamus and Riddle. I thought it was a good match. I think uh, reports came out that Vince was happy about the performance by Matt Riddle. And maybe this means he's going to actually get a, a decent shot because he's been on the main card for, I don't know, like four five months now or three months. And he really hasn't done anything, just like Keith Lee. I was going to stay gonna on NXT. Say, talk about killing somebody's momentum. Keith Keith Lee was riding it high in NXT. They bring him up and look at He hasn't done shit. He like literally just, really hasn't had a feud or anything. He's just there. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much, pretty much using him as an using him as a name, but like he's a young guy. That's not how he should be used. It's frustrating. See this this frustrates me, cheese. All right, now getting to the uh, the very tip top, the best overall. We had the hurt business going up against retribution. Retribution, I wouldn't say the hot new act, but it's a relatively new act. They go it's four on four. Act. They go four on four. We thought maybe this was going to be like a Survivor Series match. It is not. It is just here thrown together on Raw. For the most part, the Hurt Business do a clean sweep. And after, uh, was it Lashley gets counted out? And then Mia Yim fakes having a seizure or being possessed gonna, or something like that. I was like going to ask you, what the hell was going on with Mia Yim there? Like, I, I, I have no idea. I, at first, I thought, oh, they're just going to, like, the Fiend is going to just, all the lights are going to go out. Fiend is going to come out or Alexa Bliss is, you know. Is she is she just Sister Abigail? Is that what the, is that what they're doing there? She, Alexa, I, I would assume Alexa Bliss is quote unquote Sister Abigail. Quote unquote Sister Abigail. Is she gonna come out and just beat the shit out of me again? Like I was I was like it's got it's it can't be just faking a seizure. Like it's got to be something where she's getting possessed. It's spooky season, Tyler. Spooky season, man. You got to do the spooky. Yeah, I mean Retribution came in. They had a little bit. I mean it was a stupid gimmick for the entire time, but. Maybe I'm just hoping that maybe they scrap the whole thing and they can oh. just bring the regular people with their regular gimmicks onto Raw or bring yeah. it back to NXT. You never know. That would be that would be a lot smarter of a thing to do. But knowing them, they're gonna keep riding this fucking retribution train till the cows come home. Okay, t- Tyler, would you like to bullshit your way through AEW or would you like <sighs> to to go to NXT because you actually kind of know what's going on there? It doesn't matter. If you want to stick to WWE because it's all together, that's fine. Whatever you're feeling, you're the host. You know, we're going to end on a high note. We're going to have Tyler sound smart on it. Oh, attaboy. So we're going to sandwich in AEW Dynamite. They go with the opener, Hangman Adam Page, defeating Wardlow in the semifinal match for the number one contendership. I thought this match was quite good. A good kickoff to the show. I think Wardlow has been he has been forced to do anything or not that much, but I thought he comes out has a really good match with Hangman Page. Page is able to beat a giant. Wardlow has only lost two matches in his year in AEW. I liked it a lot, Tyler. I don't exactly know how much you've watched. Who, if you even know who these people are, but your thoughts? On I know. This I know Hangman Adam Page. I know. I know the Hangman, but I don't know who this Wardlow guy is. But is he relatively new on to aid? I'm going to ask a few questions, and then I'm going to kind of kind of go with what I'm with with what I'm going here. Is Wardlow kind of newer on AEW? He's not new. He there was some 
uh, whatchamacallit, some vignettes at the beginning of Dynamite where they kind of hyped him up. And then at the end, he ends up being with MJF, I forget, maybe like a month or two into AEW's run. And so for the most part, he's been the lackey or bodyguard of MJF. And they're putting in some seeds of dissension of MJF kind of bullying Wardlow a little more than normal these days. So I think they're building to To a split. Wardlow breaking off and at the beginning, like MJF was kind of being a dick to him. And I was like, oh, I don't really feel sympathetic towards Wardlow. But now that we've kind of seen him for these last 10 months, I think he's definitely have some character development. And I think when or if he eventually uh, breaks off, it, it could be a, a, a big moment. So if this if this is kind of like the begin, beginning of the end between Wardlow and M- MJF, uh, does does him losing to Hangman here does that hurt that momentum or like, like do you like Hangman winning in this match? Yeah, because they're telling the story of the collision of Hangman and Kenny Omega, so we knew that that's okay. where they were going to be going. And Wardlow hasn't lost; he hasn't really been in too many singles matches. But AEW does a good job at having everyone. You know, there's no shitty finishes like in WWE. Everyone, for the most part, there's a winner, there's a loser. It's clean, decisive, and I think that Wardlow can bounce back. He's a different act, a different size compared to a lot of the guys on the roster. So this loss isn't going to hurt him, but obviously, you're not going to want to have him lose a match a month or two matches a month on dynamite. Okay, good, good. Let's see if the, this is what is going to be a lot of like, uh, I'm going to be asking some clarifying questions. This is perfect for anybody who listens to this and goes, I don't watch too much wrestling. I wish they would go a little more in depth. Cause sometimes when you guys are talking about it, I'm sitting there going, yeah, it's a lot of assuming that I watched this and, you know, I just, that's why, that's why Travis just tunes out. He just, exactly. Leaves. But I like to, I like to sit there and I try, you know, I try and pick up some knowledge here or there, you know? All right. Yes, I ever get, do get into it. We get uh, a promo from John Moxley continuing on his strong promo performances, talking about Eddie Kingston, his friend. And, you know, it's very similar to what he did last week, but I think it's continuing on a strong path. Eddie Kingston comes out, has a match against Matt Seidel, chokes him out, makes him say, I quit, cuts a promo. Uh, I mean, this is kind of one of those matches or feuds where they kind of stumble upon something great. Both these guys can really talk, I think, when it comes. It's going to be an I quit match, so we can kind of compare that to a WWE-style I quit match nice. in a few weeks. Uh, Tyler, I don't know what you've seen. I didn't see any Moxley of Moxley and Kingston. You probably have no idea who Eddie Kingston is, but I'm telling you. Is he related I, to Sean Kingston in any way? Or Kofi Kingston. He is not. Damn it. Damn it. You knew where I was going. That second question, too, you son of a bitch. Um, I just know Moxley has – he's got a lot of uh, he's got a lot of gusto on the mic. So he's a lot of that, Moxie. I was going to say that, but then I thought, no, I'm not going to go down that road. Um, but, you know, he could carry himself well on a mic. So that that's something I like that they're using is uh, from what you guys have said, that that he's cutting a lot of promos lately and he's using he's using his uh, his ability to, to work a microphone and in, in a good way. So full gear, Tyler, is I believe next week. Formally invited if you want. It's a Saturday. It's not a Sunday. So no, that kind of messes up your whole football feng shui, That's maybe. Right. Full gear, I mean, is so full gear is I'm assuming the next AEW like pay per view type type thing. This is what we're building towards. This is what we're building towards. I might have to come down and watch. I might have to come. This come is the check penultimate, the penultimate dynamite before full gear. Oh, nice. So maybe I'll watch AEW this week. I'm a week or I'm a week too late, but maybe I'll watch this week and and come down and watch on Saturday. 
quite possibly. Maybe Dominic won't be here because, you know, we have to make a quarantine for 14 days because he was overseas. That's right. Over, over state lines, you know. Yeah. He rode on an, on an aeroplane, so we better stay to, away I, from us. He went to Idaho. I mean, who knows what kind of diseases are over there. I keep You keep saying that. Did he fly to Idaho from, where, from like, what's going on with the Idaho? So, Tyler, I know you're not the best geography person, but he lit no. or his, his father – like lives in Spokane Valley. Spokane is on the eastern part of Washington, so it's very okay. close to the Idaho border. Got it. Got it. I didn't know that. I had no idea because you kept saying he was going to Washington, and then you texted me earlier saying he's in Idaho. I was like, what the hell is going on here? Well, so I wake up at nine fifteen because we were supposed to do it at like ten ten thirty, and so I, I get a text I message. I get a text message at like eight. It was like, oh, uh, my dad and aunt really want to go to Idaho, so we have to do it later. I was like, God damn it. Damn, yeah, I hate to see it. And and <laughs> Idaho. So as you said, I'm not ge- I'm not very good with geography. I could have sworn Idaho was like smack dab in the middle of the United States. So that's that's good to know. It's a lot closer than I think. There, there you go. You know, I I had one of those leapfrog books, the electronic ones, and I was I was good on the uh, geography. I can point at all the states. I might have to borrow that sometime, just so I can get better at it. So I, you were doing, you were tutoring the cousin a couple of days ago. I assume Oof. you weren't doing geography. No, no, I was, I'm math. I do good with math and that's about it. And even then it's a little questionable. All right, let's get back on track. Yes. FCR and the Young Bucks have a sit down interview with Excalibur building up the tag team title match for full gear that is taking place next week, Tyler. Uh, the Young Bucks have been heels, I guess, for the past few months, but then now they get attacked by FTR who are clearly heels. And I guess they're trying to make the Bucks sympathetic, but then after the fact, you know, after doing all these dastardly things, I think it's kind of hard for people to get behind the Bucks. But I think at the end of the day, the match will be really good. But I think in the meantime, and it's kind of a theme through some of these matches or some of these builds that the the matches I think is going to save the the feud. But in the meantime, the storytelling and the promos and everything like that, not the best right now. Yeah, so that was one of the things that I have picked up from from listening to you guys talk about it is the fact that they're they're kind of doing the same thing that we talked about with WWE where um, you have clear clear cut heels going up against clear cut heels and it's just a, a clash of confusion. But I think you're absolutely right that the 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 match itself is going to be a fantastic match. I mean, FTR proved has proven that they're very good wrestlers and the young bucks obviously have, have proven it i mean they were able to start up AEW and they've been doing doing the damn thing all over the all over the country all over the world and so i think you're right that the the wrestling portion will will make this feud a little bit better just like you i, I mean i watch all the shows but next week i think is very important to uh, kind of see where everyone lands. I think with this one and with Kenny Omega and Adam Page, it's going to be very important for them to kind of steer the ship in the right direction. I think they need some two, maybe not stellar go-home promos, but I think they really need to do some work to kind of uh, rearrange the pieces or kind of you know make things better than what they have been. Because I feel like FTR and the Young Bucks has been a match that everyone's been waiting for for years at this point. Yeah. And now we're getting it, and it's not – the build like, is just it, not there. Not what it should have been. It's not yeah. like, okay, the Bucks are the baby faces going up against the, the heels of FTR. We're the best. No, we're the best, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, they're getting a little too cute sometimes. So so what can you, what what would AEW have to do next week for you to be like, all right, I'm on board. Like this, 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 this penultimate episode, this promo, this match, whatever they end up doing, 
uh, is really like they solidified it for me. Tyler, this was the penultimate episode. Penultimate means second to last. So right, next so the penultimate was the last one. No. See, you learn something new every day. Okay, so I, yeah, I feel yeah. like I've got. I feel like I went over this with Dominic, like at the beginning of Curveballs and Church. I, was, I used it like a few times, and he didn't know what it meant. So now he probably forgets. Or he probably already forgot. Hey, but hey, I, the, look at that! I'm not throwing your your. I'm not throwing no mojo off. It's just like talking to Dominic. Exactly, but I think the FTR Young Bucks one is kind of harder to really distinguish because I don't, I don't know what to do because I think with Kenny and Hangman they ha- kind of have like a good foundation because they have the stuff of them being tag team partners and I don't think any, like I don't think Kenny is going to turn on Adam Page next week. Maybe he does something really bad in the match, but I think with the Young Bucks and FTR, I think that one's kind of up in the air because it's like you, you've. The Young Bucks are heels, kind of, but now they're baby faces. So, I mean, unless they just, like, apologize and we're, like, goody <laughs> two-shoes, I, I guess. I mean, that's kind of, like, what I'm at right now is I don't know how to really get back on track because they kind of did stuff for two months that it's kind of hard to undo all that. Hmm. It's oh. tough. It's tough. It is very tough. We get a town hall meeting between MJF and Chris Jericho. Continuing on with MJF doing some presidential spoofs. We get a surprise appearance by Eric Bischoff. He asks some questions. MJF and Chris Jericho go back and forth. At the end, MJF, Chris Jericho are going to face off at full gear. And if MJF wins, he can join the inner circle. Very nice. So do you do you want MJF in the inner circle? I, I don't exactly know. I, I think at the end of the day, Chris Jericho is a baby face. I think he's going to, I think he's still kind of like leaning to a baby face at this point, but I think right now they're kind of being too cute. Tyler, I know we kind of talked about it. You didn't see the, uh, the dinner Deb on air musical. I did just not let the, I did not. You know, let the internet wrestling community ablaze last week. But uh, yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, I think MJF will turn on Chris Jericho, kick him out of the inner circle. Everyone in the inner circle will kick him out and Jericho will be all by his lonesome. Oh, that's a damn shame. And does with, uh, does Wardlow also join the inner circle if MJF joins? I, or I is know. he already part? Or is he already part of it? Because I could just be, you know, way off. I don't know how the union works. If it's like because MJF and Wardlow are a tandem, is it yeah. two for one? Is Wardlow? I I don't know. Got to take it is up that, with the commission. Hey, is that a way that they split them? Like, like you, like you said, you felt that they were coming to a point where Wardlow is going to get split up. Is that how that could be how AEW does it? You know, MJF gets into the inner circle, kicks Jericho out. He takes, he takes control and says, fuck off to Wardlow. We shall see. Then we get Cody defending his TNT championship against Orange Cassidy. I know Travis's favorite AEW wrestler is Orange Cassidy. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I mean, this match was fine. I think it's kind of more, not exactly like planting a seed, but Cody kind of taking orange a little lightly uh, at the end. Dark order interferes. Cody takes advantage, but he doesn't know that he's taken advantage of the interference and he gets the win that way. So I think Cody, not right now or six months from now, but I think eventually he might turn heel. And I think this is just kind of another little seed planted further on down the line. Good match, maybe not as good as what they had a few weeks ago, but Cody will then take on Darby Allen at full gear in a few weeks for the title or next year. I, I would like to see Cody Rhodes go full here. I liked his, I liked the, the heel stuff that he did in WWE. And I've, I've always kind of felt him as he's always been more of a heel in my mind forever. So I, I, I like that role for him. 
Then uh, we get a backstage segment with Miro or Rusev and Kip Sabian attacking the best friends. Tyler, I don't know if you've seen anything from Rusev in AEW, but uh, he's he loves to play video games and he's beating these guys up because they broke his video game. <laughs> nice. Like if, if you were to tell me this was a WWE, I'd probably be like a WWE gimmick. I'd probably be like, that's pretty stupid. But I feel like AEW can can execute that a lot better have they been executing it better better than than what i'm seeing it as it's kind of one of those storylines like it's there it's not like a main focus so like they'll be on one week off the next week so it's kind of hard to really like for them to gain any traction i kind of wish miro was kind of his own guy and i mean he's kind of like fun loving but i guess he has an attitude obviously i think in this situation he is a heel and i think he has upside as a singles guy so I'm, I'm kind of hoping sooner rather than later, Miro is able to break off from this whatever faction team with Kip Sabian. But uh, I'm also wondering, like, is that one of the reasons why WWE did not have faith in him is because maybe he had dumb ideas like this? Because I know AEW gives the wrestlers a lot of creative freedom. Sometimes, like we're seeing, maybe that might not always be the best thing. Yeah, if he did come up with this idea himself, it seems like that probably that's a tough way to introduce yourself into a new organization. I think consistently Cody and the stuff he's been involved with has been the best things in AEW. So if Cody could be like the head booker, I'd be fine with that. Maybe not, you know, go as far as his dad did back in the day and put himself with a championship. But uh, yeah, I think it was good. Uh, then we get Serena Deeb, the new nwa women's champion defeating layla hirsch it was a short match i mean deeb gets the win thunder rosa her contract was up in the air seems as though she is going to stay with nwa so maybe we'll get uh her back with AEW. akaro shida challenges uh nyla rose they're going to face off at full gear nice to see because hikaru shida has been gone forever and uh yeah so the women's division in AEW, tyler not well, exactly to... the best yeah, I was gonna say uh, that's that's another thing that's always stuck out to me. You guys talked about is that they've they they I don't know if it's a lack of talent or just not not being able to use the women's division correctly. I mean, we saw how long it took WWE to figure it out. So could could just be a, a you know starting up this new this new organization like it's gonna take a little bit to to really get them going. Yeah, I think it's more of a talent thing because with the pandemic, you don't exactly get all these women's wrestlers out there. You can kind of scout and see who's really standing out. Uh, maybe, you know, with some contracts coming up, you can sign some big names. But we saw when they have good talent. <clears throat> sorry. Oh, sorry. Tickle in the throat. Uh, watch The Mandalorian, Tyler. I no spoilers. That. Hey, did I watch it? Of course I watched it. I got the, the, the Baby Yoda shirt on for all those listening out there. But uh, we've seen when they have good talent, when they had Hikaru Shida and Thunder Rosa do their thing and all out, yeah, all out, they can have, you know, tell good stories, have good matches. So I think it's just a matter of getting the right talent in there. And at the moment, they have a handful of, of really good talent. And for the most part, they have a lot of below average talent. Now, moving on, we get Sean Spears in a squash match. Uh, Scorpio Sky comes back and uh, attacks him, setting up a match. I mean, Good for them. Nobody hurts. All we can ask for. And then in the main event, Kenny Omega defeats Pentagon or Penta El Cero Miedo. I'm just going to call Pentagon Junior. Nice. C. Que pasa? Que pasa? Uh, 
So yeah, Kenny Omega beats Pentagon, setting up the Hangman Kenny match at full gear. I thought it was, you know, highlight of the show, best match of the night. Uh, maybe a little bit no selling, but that's kind of what you get with Pentagon. Uh, Kenny continues on his new attitude over the top ring entrance. And it is one of those things that I said, like, I felt like they had something with Hangman at the beginning of the year. They had a good story, I thought, with Kenny and Hangman and now they kind of put it on ice and haven't really told that story for the past month. And now I'm really looking forward to this week. Cause I feel like you can do something really good to lead into that match. And then you can have the blow off of Kenny being a complete asshole and turn it on him and whatever. So what do you know what the reasoning is? They put it on ice or was it just the, the they just, I, I, I don't know why they would do something like that. If they're, if they're telling the story early in the year and then kind of put it off for a while. So when I mean like put it on ice, they had Hangman be a singles guy, put Kenny yeah. and them with a tag team. And then, you know, they do some little things here and there. They kind of have Hangman do his own thing, Kenny do his own thing, and then they have the tournament. And now they have the tournament, so that's kind of taking up some time, but they're not exactly focusing the characters, Kenny and or Hangman, like they're just wrestling. And especially with Kenny, who has this new attitude, we don't really see him cutting promos. He just... The last two weeks, he just has his over-the-top ring entrance, and then that's it. We don't hear him talk. We don't really know why he's doing this. So that's why I think next week is very crucial to really hammer home what is going on here. Yeah, it just, like, to kill the momentum, because I know I remember early on in the year, Kenny Omega and, and Hangman Adam Adam Page were a big, big talk. They're like, that was, that was a, a, a they lot of They had the best of, match of the year, and it's not even close. They're, no one's going to top it. Nobody's going to tie exactly. So why not capitalize and finish off that rivalry? Why put it on ice? No idea. But yeah, like you said, hopefully, hopefully they show something in this next ep episode to uh, really drive that, that rivalry home. Now let's get on to NXT Halloween Havoc. First time go. in 20 years. Very, very spooky. They went all in. They went over the top. Shotzi was the host. I know Dominic must have been very, very happy about that. Yes. So Tyler, just from an aesthetic point of view, your thoughts on Halloween Havoc and how they executed all of it. All right, hold on, hold on. Let Dominic's spirit take me over. Oh my God, it was so hot. Everything was so awesome. I loved everything about, about Halloween Havoc. Oof. Oh man. Can't believe I don't know how Dominic entered me like that. That was wild. But yeah, no, I uh, I'd have to agree with him that it was very aesthetically pleasing. You know, being in Halloween time, I love I love spooky season. I love everything about it. I really I really enjoyed it. The big wheel, the wheel of uh, matches or whatever, reminded me of when WWE used to do um, prices right or not? Was it prices Wheel of Fortune nights every once in a while, and it would just be wheel of matches. I love that stuff. Big gimmick guy. I hate to burst your bubble, Tyler, but this is a complete ripoff and copy of WCW. I know it's a. I know what Halloween Havoc was. I know but I mean, spin WCW. the wheel, make the deal. That's a WCW thing. Was that a WCW thing? Wow. I, well, that that dates, trying, to, trying to teach you some things, Tyler. That dates me because you know me. I'm of a different. I'm not of a different generation, but I'm a. Uh, I'm a younger wrestling fan than you. So WCW wasn't a thing when I was watching. I mean, wrestling. I've I've never seen. I never watched a live episode of WCW, Tyler. How old do you think? <clears throat> You're old, man. You're old. I, I know I'm old. But uh, the first match, we get a spin the wheel, make the deal match. With, yes. Uh, Johnny Gargano and Damian Priest for the North American Championship. It is a Devil's Playground match. Now, what the hell is that? Basically, no <laughs> DQ, falls count <laughs> every, anywhere. Every other falls count anywhere match that we get anytime 
um i did like the live music i liked whoever i i don't i didn't listen to see who they announced who was singing damon priest's song uh but i'm a i'm a sucker for live music during a wrestling show and uh i thought this match was fantastic they did some good spots here and there and i don't i didn't like the uh random guy showing up in the scream outfit to help johnny gargano but you know you, you win some you lose some yeah, they make their way over to uh, Shotzi's lair. Yes. They uh, get into a fight, and the guy in the Scream costume helps out uh, Johnny Gargano. We thought maybe it was just on his own, but no, he's helping out Johnny. So they're telling the story of Johnny and Candace having some help. Maybe yes. you know they have a little faction. We don't know who this person was. They did not unmask. I assume it is a guy. But uh, Gargano wins the title. I'm fine with it. Damien Priest hasn't really been, you know, he hasn't been too intriguing to me. I've always kind of wondered, like, is he a heel? Is a baby face? Obviously, he's kind of portrayed as a baby face, but he never really clicked with me. Dominic, on the other hand, a little bit more higher on him than I am. But I, I've really been enjoying what Johnny Gargano has been doing as a heel. They've been doing the Candice and uh, Johnny vignettes at their house. Quite enjoyed it. Now, moving on now, Tyler, are you ready to talk some Pat McAfee wrestling? Oh, you know I'm ready to talk it, man. You know I'm ready to talk it. So Pat McAfee shows up with his boys, Oni, Lorkin, and Danny Birch. He kind of, you know, fills in the holes that I think the Rich Holland uh, injury laid out because I, I don't know exactly what was going on. But McAfee said that he wanted to get revenge, so he paid off uh, Rich Holland, blah, 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 blah. Kyle O'Reilly comes out, and then Pete Dunn. Joins hey, him. Pete Dunn's back. Hey, COVID's over, right? Because people yeah. can travel across seas and everything like that. Yeah, uh, bye oh, bye, God. COVID. No more COVID. Exactly. So then we get a swerve, bro, <sighs> as Pete Dunn attacks uh, Kyle O'Reilly and joins Pat McAfee's boys. Tyler, your thoughts on Pat McAfee's delivery, the way he's been working oh, the past man. few weeks, and just everything because i know you and oh, Pat mcafee guys pat mcafee man he ever since he joined like just pat mcafee forever has been a a smooth talker like i strive to be pat mcafee i fumble over my words like a bumbling idiot compared to pat mcafee and i absolutely loved his delivery in this promo i loved everything about he's everything he's done i mean we did i I don't think we've been able to give our takes on the match that he had with um, Adam Cole. And he's showing that he can also bring it in the ring. And I can't, I, I hope this is the start of Pat McAfee having a, a, a good career in, in WWE, but I want to talk about something you guys talked about last week. Um, you and Dominic had the argument. You liked bringing Pat McAfee on to help these guys. You, like you said, it brings kind of the star power. Uh, and I believe Dominic disputed the fact that he brings star power. Is I, think that, you, is that... I think the main argument was the tag team was Birch and Lorcan. He feels as though they're not good guys to get the rub, quote unquote. They should be a different whatever <sighs> tag team or something. But I really like Birch and Lorcan. I think if you follow yeah. Oni Lorcan on Twitter, he's really funny. I think Danny Birch. I do follow him. He, I did. I had no idea who he was, but I saw he tweeted some funny shit like a few months ago, and I followed him. So I've been following his tweets. And now he's a big Pat McAfee stand. So, yes, uh, I mean, I really enjoy both of these guys and not a big fan of Danny Burch, uh, you know, doing some anti-mask stuff. But we're just not going to talk about that. Hey, hey, Ooh, don't no touch it. Don't touch it. No politics on the show. No, but uh, I, I mean, we talked a little bit about it uh, in the Mr. X's questions of the week. I really like Pat McAfee. I think he's uh, fantastic. I really like the way he comes across. And I think we're building towards a war games of McAfee and his goons yes. against uh, the Undisputed Era, which, I mean, Undisputed Era, it feels like they, I think they have been in every single 
uh, war games match, games. but all of them have, yeah, they've all been fun. It's all been uh, fun. That, I thought that was, I, I hope that's what they're building for. Like this, get, this gets me excited. Like now I want to go watch more NXT stuff because stuff like this. And then I think the inclusion of Pete Dunn to that kind of, like you were saying, Pat McAfee b- brings the star power for them. They, he's a great person on the mic. And I think Pete Dunn added to this faction kind of helps Dominic's side of the argument as well to where for people out there who don't think Larkin and I can't even remember the other guy's name because who gives a shit? Um, anti-masker. Anti-masker, yeah. Uh, the, his, Pete Dunn brings that star power to that as well. So I think, you, I think they're building a good faction to go up against the undisputed era yeah i'm a big fan of pete and i know he kind of has Me like too. he kind of has like awkward he's kind of awkward vocally but uh i think he comes across you know very well and i think pat mcafee if he is going to carry it in promos i think they'll all be uh very very good so and then boy did pete dunn look thick he yeah. looked juicy man want to take a bite out of that oh buddy i would so we get uh I, I almost did it again i almost called him pablo escobar santos escobar defeats jake atlas i forget if this was a title match or not but uh, it was short wasn't very good i mean not like in terms of work it was fine but i kind of wish jake atlas could be uh, used a lot more in nxt but uh, i get they're really building up legado del fantasma so there it is i just thought this match like this match on a show like like the halloween havoc i don't know if it has a right to be there because everything else was so fantastic and this was kind of like this was my pee break basically there's like if i were to if i were to be watching this live i would i would literally see this match come on and go i don't want to watch this at all i'll be honest this was kind of the one thing i didn't watch i did was watching it live i decided to watch this live instead of AEW, and nxt actually beat AEW in the uh, viewership this week i think the first time in a little bit love to see it love to see it all right then we get uh, the haunted house of terror we get uh cameron grimes taking on uh, Dexter Loomis. It was kind of sprinkled throughout the show. Uh, started off hot with a oh my god, Michael Hayes uh, cameo. Loved yes. it. I thought you, Tyler. Do you know who Michael Hayes is? When you first Michael, saw it, did you? you know, I didn't notice. I didn't notice him at first, but after watching, because I, I I watched the recap video as well, and they talked about it, and I thought that's that's pretty awesome. I, I do know who Michael Hayes is because uh, we were watching it live, and I was like, oh my god, and then I, I was like, Josh, you know who that is? No clue. Oh man, you hate to see it. I was gonna slap the shit out of him, but <laughs> it's okay. So the haunted house of terror is very spooky. You know, we haven't seen a kind of pre-taped cinematic match in a little bit, which I kind of like. They stepped away from it after doing a lot of them at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, yeah. Tyler, your thoughts on this kind of brought up your alley? Oh man, I loved it. I like you. Like I've been saying this whole show, I'm big on gimmicks. I love those gimmicky type shit, and I absolutely love this. Like the uh, well, okay. I love the first part of this. The second part, eh, it was whatever. The finish, whatever. Okay, get him back to the ring, that type of stuff. But going through the house, uh, I love the the shining callback that they had where, where it's the, per- the lady in the shower, and then you open up the shower and it's somebody completely different. Loved it. They're just just great, great uh, writing. I, I mean, I like Cameron Grimes. I kind of like him being the uh, antagonist, just kind of selling and being scared all over the place. I, I like the house part of it. Yes. And then I think they kind of overstayed the welcome, as you said, when they moved it to the ring and like all the zombies came out and, you know, I t- you know, they have a little mini wrestling match in the ring. So I think that kind of went a little too far. I think he could have taken some of that time off or just not do it at all. You got to yeah. add it to the Escobar Atlas match or something or another like that. We get uh, 
Rhea Ripley taking on Raquel Gonzalez, battle of two big burly women, yes. and Rhea Ripley comes out on top. It's a different match compared to what we see in the women's division. Quite enjoyed it. Battle of two giants, and Rhea Ripley comes out on top. I, I like this match very much. I'm a, I, I, I like Rhea Ripley. Uh, I don't know very much about Raquel. Whoa, I cannot say that name. Raquel? Raquel. Raquel. God damn. I've always had trouble saying that name. I never understood why. Raquel Gonzalez. I don't know much about her. Is she is she new to NXT? Has she been there for a while? What's her story? She's kind of an, a new person up on the scene. You know, she's tall. She's kind of the heavy for Dakota Kai. You know who Dakota Kai is? I do know Dakota Kai, yes. So uh, she's kind of the heavy for her. Shawn Michaels has equated them to, to uh, himself and Diesel. So high praise oh. there coming from Shawn Michaels. Uh, yeah, I thought... I really liked uh, Raquel Gonzalez. I think I saw a star potential in that match. I thought she did very good against Rhea Ripley, who I assume is a very big star in, in NXT or was at least. And then she lost the title and I could see, I could see her definitely splitting off from Dakota Kai and still having a good run. Hopefully, hopefully they don't do her wrong. Yeah. I kind of compare this to hangman and Wardlow. Rhea Ripley, the star have her win, but obviously there's some bright spots there and a good future. Yes. Gonzalez. Then we move on to Drake Hogan. I, uh, <laughs> he uh, comes out and he's talking to Mean Gene. And then he tries, and then he gets attacked by the Yete and the Giant. And then Killian Dane comes out as a Shockmaster, but he doesn't fall because he had to move the thing out the way because he didn't want to fall. Because he doesn't want to fall. And then, and then uh, Drake Maverick puts on the Shockmaster <laughs> and then he falls. And then Killian Dane does the whole British Bulldog bit of he fell on his fucking ass, which I got a big kick out of that. Tyler, oh, I oh, love this. I, fucking, I was laughing so hard through that whole thing. Like, at first I was like, oh, this is kind of stupid. It, it reminded me, and of course we're going to talk about this, is David Pumpkins. It reminded me of the whole thing where at first I was like, is this really going to be a bit? Is this really, like, this is what they're going to go with? And then it happened, and I just couldn't stop laughing because of how fucking funny it was. Yeah, I, I mean, this thing was just phenomenal. I mean, you get it was like four different parts. You get Drake Maverick yes. doing the Hogan gimmick, and then you bring in the Yete, which I mean, come on, how can you not love the Yete? And yep. then the Shockmaster, and then I mean, Killian Dane doing the little uh, thing at the end. <laughs> he, fell was, his, he fell on his fucking face. <laughs> It was amazing. I just, I loved it so much. This might be one of the funniest things WWE <laughs> has ever done. I'm going to be honest. I, I, think, I think you might be right. I'm still laughing about Oh, man, that's just so fun. I love that they do stupid shit like that. All right. On a, shout out to Lance Storm. Let's get serious for a moment. Tommaso Ciampa cuts a promo yes. on uh, Velveteen Dream. Kind of shoots on him a little bit, I guess, saying that he can't get, get out of his own way. I guess Ciampa now, after being a heel, is a baby face and going after Velveteen Dream. I mean, it's fine. It's something for them two to do. Don't exactly know what's going on with Dream behind the scenes. They still haven't exactly explained it or kind of yeah. said what's going down. But uh, you know, I guess if they're gonna do it, they're they're doing it. So this is this is turning Champa babyface. So I mean, I guess he has been. Well, it, it's kind of confusing because he came back after his injury, face against Gargano. He was a babyface, yep. and then he came back after that, a heel. So then, you know, he's kind of turned back and forth. And it's kind of like he's one of those stars where he, I guess he can just do whatever because he's Ciampa. So, yeah, it, it was just kind of because I'm, I, I, I watched this promo all the way through and I was just kind of like, damn, if he's like, and then you say he's a baby face. And I'm like, that's kind of a, a 
far reach if the if they're trying to have him be a baby face but he's talking shit it kind of reminded me of like an 80 year old guy who's sitting there saying like these goddamn millennials i can't stand them type thing the whole time and i thought that kinda was kind of like dominic enjoyable. talking about basketball exactly it was like dominic talking about how lebron and curry are ruining basketball and i thought it was like spot on did dominic write that segment for champa because he might have he might have. I, I don't know what Dominic's been doing. I know he's trying to find some work outside of Osh, but uh, I guess they writing writing for NXT, writing for Tommaso, Tommaso Ciampa. There we go. So in the main event, we had the NXT Women's Championship match. Io Shirai defending against Candice LeRae in a spin the wheel, make the deal match. It turned out to be a tables, ladders, and screams match, mm. which is TLC, I guess, with some screams. We think we had like a decap. We had like a decapitated body and. They had they had the bag of screams where she she pulled uh, Candice LeRae pulled out the bag and dumped it out and it was the most the the fakest fake limbs you'd ever seen in your life and yet she still like almost shit her pants because she was so scared of it yeah wild yeah so the the screams part of it wasn't very good but I thought the wrestling was quite nice Dominic's yes. favorite artist Poppy once again saying sang out Io Shirai to the ring. I thought audio wise, it was kind of terrible. I could not understand a damn thing. She was saying Didn't hear a word she said, but, but the, uh, the Do- music was loud. The best, you know, 30 seconds, I think in NXT's history, according to Dominic, you get Poppy and Io in the ring and then you go right. And then a shot right over to Shotzi uh, spinning the wheel. Yeah. I thought this, I thought they, they beat the shit out of each other. And I thought, I think they only had what, 20 minutes of, of match time. Yeah, this match wasn't too long, but I think they definitely no. did, uh, you know, do the best with what they had. These two have had fantastic matches once before and then hardcore type matches as well. You know, we don't really see women have these types of matches a lot in WWE. And I mean, we had back to back with Hell in a Cell and this match, I would probably say the Hell in a Cell match was maybe a little bit better, but I think both of them were fantastic. Yeah, I mean, great. Good on WWE. They're they're booking their female talent very well, and it, it's showing that they can prove it, like you said. Uh two of the best matches in their, in their, in recent, recent shows, the, the hell in a cell, the women sold the show there. I think the women sold the show in this match as well. Um, how long do you think till Candice LeRae gets the title? Cause she looked, she looked good. It seems like they're building towards she's going to win sooner rather than later. I mean, I've always kind of been on the Candice LeRae hype train. I thought she could have been the person to defeat Shayna Baszler back in the day yeah. when she was champion. And then when you have Gargano win, in the beginning, I thought it was kind of a nice little thing of them bringing the scream guy back out, you know, very yeah. going really heavy in that. So you can like, oh, okay, Candice is going to win. They're both being champions. But then at the end, EO is able to come out and win. So, and I think it also kind of adds a nice little comedy dynamic of one of them being the champions and the other one not. I do like, I do like the fact that they didn't put the title on Candice LeRae in this situation, just because I feel like it would have been a little more predictable if that would have been the case. You know, it's keeping us on our toes, and I like it. All right, so that'll do it for the wrestling portion. Tyler, i I throwing you a curveball on the show. Is there any sports that you want to talk about, any late-breaking news you weren't able to really talk about on the uh, – any football predictions you want to make known, you know, some corrections compared to what you said at Trapdoor? Any late-breaking news you want to talk about? I don't know. What, if, what did you guys talk about? Oh, dude, oh, you guys! You guys talked about AJ Hinch getting hired and Tony Larusa getting hired. Love to see it. Lo- I love, I love the uh, Tony Larusa getting back in the game. It's always been a great coach in my mind. Uh, your thoughts on Michael Thomas and Joe Mixon not playing this week again? 
Oh, dude, that's tough. That's real <laughs> tough, man. <laughs> I like at least I have the Giovanni Bernard handcuff over there in Cincinnati. But shit, man, why does this got to keep happening? And, and then of course, so I uh, as I've talked about, lost my first two picks in one fantasy football league. Now working without my first two picks in our fantasy football league, but also in that other fantasy league. Uh, Calvin Ridley gets injured mid game. So he has a terrible game. So that's my first three picks getting injured. Yeah. Just, just real tough situation for me. Well, in the points and doinks league, I was able to face Calvin Ridley. So he was scaring me for a little bit. He came out, but a uh, big, big matchup in trap door to curveballs and chair shots. Cause Tyler and Dominic are going off against each other. Tyler is in the lead. That's because nobody has played for Dominic quite yet. Not the best showing by your three players. I guess the kicker, Young Way Koo, really delivered. Hey, Young Way. Young Way figured it out. Uh, I like the fact that Matt Ryan ran one in for a touchdown, but, like, come on, dude. You're at 280 yards. Carolina's defense isn't that good. You got you to look better than that. And then they're not throwing the – and then Teddy Teddy Bridgewater decides he's not going to throw the ball to DJ Moore all game until, until the end of the fourth quarter. Just just ridiculous. You hate to see it. I'm I'm rooting for Dominic selfishly to win because he beat me in fantasy, so he has to beat Tyler. And then He's I'm hoping me. he also beats Travis at the end. So if Dominic can come out and beat all of us, then he's going to just take over points of doors. It's just going to be his show. I almost told Dominic to accept the trade that Johnny Roca sent him just so just so I could beat him this week. Because what what a wild situation! Hey, shoot or shoot, but shoot or shoot. That will do it for us for today. Thank you, Tyler for joining us maybe he's a recurring guest because dominic only wants to do half the podcast now i guess hey man i'm always here if you need me as long as i'm not simping which i'm always simping so simping ain't easy simping ain't easy man it's really not all right thank y'all very much goodbye and good night do you want to do the gimmick tyler no i want you to do it because i love the way it sounds the bank (laughs) i was hoping you're gonna be like buying you no, I don't want to do my gimmick. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly getting sick and tired of my own gimmick.